Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. So thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we will be discussing and having our coverage of the CNN second GOP presidential debate. So let's go ahead and get that chimed in, or piped in, I should say, and then we will have your discussion tonight uh, with what your thoughts are with that. So let's go ahead and listen to the remainder of the presidential debate. Think about how the world works is really dangerous in this kind of time that we're saying. So is that the judgment that well, you're not able to hear? Do you think, appreciator, that she could bring about a better? Your brother and your brother's administration gave us Barack Obama because it was such a disaster those last three months that Abraham Lincoln couldn't have been elected. You know what? As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure: he kept us safe. I don't know if you remember. Donald. You remember that? The rubble, you remember the firefighter with his rock around it? We sent a clear signal that the United States would be strong and fight Islamic terrorism, and he did keep us safe. I don't know. You feel safe right now? I don't feel so safe. Now, well, that's, because of Barack, that's because of Barack Obama. That's because of Barack Obama. We've had a president who called ISIS the JV squad, Yemen a success story, Iran a place we can do business with. It's not because of George W. Bush. It's because of Barack Obama. And I'm going to you on this. I'm going to ask you whether we're talking about national security, foreign policy, or we're talking about domestic policy, or the economy. The key issue here is talking about leadership. Now, there's a lot of great people up here, and you've heard a lot of great ideas out there. But I would ask the American people, look at who's been tested. When there were 100,000 protesters in my capital, I didn't back down. When they issued death threats against me and threats against my family, I didn't back down. When they tried to recall me, I didn't back down. And when they made me the number one of their number one targets last year, I didn't back down. Give me the chance to be your president. Thank you, Senator. Back down to Senator Paul. The remark was made that there hadn't been anyone else on the podium opposed to the Iraq war. I've made my career as being an opponent of the Iraq war. I was opposed to the Syrian war. I was opposed to arming people who are our enemies. Iran is now stronger because Hussein is gone. Hussein was the great bulwark and counterbalance to uh, the Iranians. So when we complain about the Iranians, you need to remember that the Iraq war made it worse. Originally, Governor Bush was asked, was the Iraq war a mistake? And he said, no, we do it again. We have to learn sometimes the interventions backfire. The Iraq war backfired and did not help us. We're still paying the repercussions of a bad decision. We have to make the decision now in Syria. Should we topple Assad? 
many of you wanted to talk with Assad, and I said no because this is who I face will now be in the government. I understand the governor puts his name is going to go, and then we can go to the Senate review. Here's the lessons of history: when we we pull back, voids are created. We left Iraq. We should have had a, a forces agreement to stay there with a small force. And instead of that, we politically and militarily pulled back, and now we have the creation of ISIS. 36 days ago, in this very library, I gave a speech with a comprehensive strategy how to take out ISIS. And it requires American leadership and engagement. We don't have to be the world's policeman, but we certainly have to be the world's leader. We need to have make sure that the world knows that we're serious, that we're engaged, that we're not going to pull back, that, that, our, that our word matters. And if we do that, we can create a force that will take out ISIS both in Iraq uh, and in Syria, which will take a lot longer time now because of what President Obama's done by pulling back. And I want to go even deeper in that direction because I think the belief that somehow by retreating America makes the world safer has been disproven every single time it's ever been tried. Syria is a perfect example of it. The uprising in Syria was not started by the United States. It was started by the Syrian people. And I warned at the time, this was three and a half years ago, I openly and repeatedly warned that if we did not find moderate elements on the ground that we could equip and arm, that void would be filled by radical jihadists. Well, the president didn't listen. The administration didn't follow through. And that's exactly what happened. That is why ISIS grew. That is why ISIS then came over the border from Syria and back into Iraq. What is happening in that region is the direct consequence of the inability to lead and of disengagement. And the more we disengage, the more airplanes from Moscow you're going to see flying out of Damascus and out of Syria. Thank you, Senator. I haven't had an opportunity to weigh in on foreign policy. And I just want to uh, mention that uh, when the war, uh, when the issue occurred in 2003, I suggested to President Bush uh, that he not go to war. Okay, so I, I just want that on the record. And, you know, a lot of people are very much against us getting involved right now uh, with global jihadism. And they, they, they refer back to our invasion of Iraq, and they seem to think that that was what caused it. What caused it was withdrawing from there and uh, creating a vacuum, which allowed this terrible situation to occur. But it's very different from what's going on today. We're talking about global jihadists who actually want to destroy us. They are an existential threat to our nation. And we have to be mature enough to recognize that our children will have no future if we put our heads in the sands. We have to recognize we have two choices. We either allow them to continue to progress and appear to be the winners, or we use every resource available to us to destroy them. It's interesting that you say that because I want to ask uh, Governor Christie about something else uh, that you have said. Uh, Governor Christie, we just marked the 14th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Now, Dr. Carson has said uh, that if he had been president at the time, the United States would not have gone to war in Afghanistan. What does that say to you about how Dr. Carson would respond as president if America were attacked again? Well, Jake, uh, I was named U.S. attorney by President Bush. September 10th, 2001. And that next day, my wife, Mary Pat, did what she did every day. She traveled through the World Trade Center and went to her office two blocks from the World Trade Center. And after those planes hit for five and a half hours, after that, I couldn't reach her, didn't know whether she was dead or alive, and we had three children at the time, eight, five, and one. And I had to confront with so many thousands of others in my region, I had to confront the idea that I might become a single parent, the idea that my life and my children's life might be changed forever. We lost friends that day. We went to the funerals. And I will tell you that what those people wanted and what they deserved was for America to answer back 
against what has been done to them. And I support what President Bush did at that time, going into Afghanistan, hunting al-Qaeda and its leaders, getting its sanctuary out of place, and making it as difficult around the world for them with people and money. And then he went to prosecutors like us, and he said, never again, don't prosecute these people after the crime is committed. Intervene before the crime happens. I absolutely believe that what the president did at the time was right, and I am proud to have been one of the people on the stage who was part of making sure that what Governor Bush said before was the truth. America was safe for those seven years, and Barack Obama has taken that safety away from Mr. Tyson. Recognize that, you know, President George W. Bush was a great friend of ours, and we spent many wonderful days uh, at the White House. I, I haven't been there in the last seven years. I'd probably have to have a food tester. But at any rate, um, you know, I didn't suggest that nothing be done. What I suggested to President Bush is to be Kennedy-esque in the sense that when the Russians got ahead of us in the space race, what we did is use the bully pulpit to galvanize everybody, business, industry, academia, behind a national goal to put a man on the moon and bring him back safely. I said, you can do the same kind of thing. Declare that within five to ten years we will become petroleum independent. The moderate Arab states would have been so concerned about that, they would have turned over Osama bin Laden and anybody else you wanted on a silver platter within two weeks. There are smart ways to do things and there are muscular ways to do things, and sometimes you have to look at uh, both of those to come up with the right solution. I don't agree this, Jake, is that while that may have been a fine idea um, that Dr. Carson had, these people were out to kill us. I stood in that region with my family, and every time a plane went overhead in the weeks after that, people's heads jerked to the sky because they thought it was happening again. You do not need to go through subtle diplomacy at that point. That can be handled later on. What you need is a strong American leader who will take the steps that are necessary to protect our nation. That's what I would do as commander-in-chief in this circumstance, and that's what President George W. Bush did in 2001. Dr. Carson? I have no argument with having a strong leader and to be aggressive where aggression is needed but it's not needed in every circumstance. There is a time when you can use your intellect to come up with other ways to do things, and I think that's what we have to start thinking about. There is no question that a lot of these problems that we have been talking about in terms of the international situation is because we are weak. It's because our Navy is so small. It's because our Air Force is incapable of doing the same things that it did a few years ago. It's because our Marine Corps is not ready to be deployed. There are a lot of problems that are going on, and we need to solve those problems. We need to build up our radical terrorism cannot be solved by, by intellect. They, cannot, they, they require they, what they need is they need an operating space. That's what Afghanistan was for al-Qaeda. It was a vacuum that they filled, and they created an operating space. That's why they had to be drawn out of there. That's why they had to be destroyed. It is the reason why ISIS has now grown as well. We allowed them. We allowed a vacuum to emerge in Syria. They used it as an operating space to grow. And today, they're not just in Iraq and Syria anymore. They're now in Libya conducting operations in the Sinai. They're now in Afghanistan trying to supplant the Taliban as the most powerful uh, radical jihadist group on the ground there as well. You cannot allow radical jihadists to have an operating safe anywhere in the world. Yesterday, yesterday there was a new report that 50 different intelligence analysts 
have said that what they sent up the ladder was doctored by senior officials so that they could give some happy talk to the situation that we face. I love the idea of a, of a good intellectual capacity to deal with our enemies, but the fact is if you don't have good intelligence that's reliable and it's honest, you're not going to have good intelligence and you cannot make good decisions. The next president is primarily elected not just to know things, but to know what to do with the things that he knows. And the most dangerous person in any room is the person who doesn't know what he doesn't know. Thank you, and the reason Barack Obama has been dangerous to this country and we better like someone who has had some executive experience is because we cannot afford another eight years having a person in the office who doesn't know what he does not know. Thank you, Governor. I want to turn to the floor. Governor Walker. Governor Walker, uh, there is a big debate right now. We've been talking about ISIS here and there about this in this discussion. There's a big debate right now about whether or not to send more U.S. troops to fight ISIS in Iraq and Syria. In the first debate earlier this evening, Senator Lindsey Graham argued that candidates are only serious about fighting ISIS if they are willing to send 10,000 U.S. troops to Iraq, 10,000 U.S. troops as part of a coalition to Syria. Governor Walker, you said, you just told me a few days ago, that the 3,000 U.S. troops there right now are enough as long as the rules of engagement are changed. What do you know that Senator Graham doesn't know? No, to be clear, what I said the other day was that we need to lift the political restrictions that are already in play. Barack Obama's administration has put political restrictions on the military personnel already in Iraq. We need to lift those, and then we need to listen to our military experts, not the political forces in the White House, but our military experts about how many more we send in. And we certainly shouldn't have a commander-in-chief who sends a message to our adversaries as to how far we're going to go and how far we're willing to fight. So I'm not putting a troop number on. What I'm saying is lift the political restrictions. When you do that, you empower our military personnel already there to work with the Kurd and the Sunni allies to reclaim the territory taken by ISIS and to do so in a way that allows that ISIS doesn't go back in Syria. We're just talking about it. That is the fundamental problem going forward. We have a president, and Hillary Clinton was a part of this, by the way, who has made political decisions for our men and women in uniform. I want the men and women at home to know if I am commander-in-chief, I will only send you into harm's way when our national security is at risk. And if we do, you know you'll have our full support, the support of the American people, and you'll have a clear path for victory. Governor Paul, I want to go to you because you have said that the boots on the ground to fight ISIS need to be Arab boots. Uh, we just learned today that despite the Obama administration spending $500 million to help create those Arab boots, there are only four or five U.S. trained fighters in Syria fighting ISIS. What does that say to you about the effectiveness of the idea of the boots on the ground need to be Arab boots? If you want boots on the ground and you want them to be our sons and daughters, you got 14 other choices. There will always be a Bush or Clinton for you if you want to go back to war in Iraq. But the thing is, the first war was a mistake, and I'm not sending our sons and our daughters back to Iraq. The war didn't work. We can amplify those who live there. The Kurds deserve to be armed, and I'll arm them. We can use our Air Force to amplify the forces there, but the boots on the ground need to be the people who live there. My goodness, I'm still upset with the Saudi Arabians for everything they do over there. They funded the arms that went to the jihadists. They're not accepting any of the people, any of the migrants that have been, the refugees that are being pushed out of Syria. Saudi Arabia is not accepting one. Why are we always the world's patsies that we have to go over there and fight their wars for them? They need to fight their wars. We need to defend American interests. 
but it's not in America's national security and it's to have another war in Iraq. We're going to turn to some domestic issues now. I want to bring in my colleague, Dan. <laughs> make one point on this whole military discussion. I called for boots on the ground many months ago in a coalition with our friends who share our interests. You know, you win a battle with the military, and when we go somewhere, we need to be mobile and lethal, we need to take care of business, and we need to come home. But we face also a bigger war, and, that, and you win the bigger war with a battle of ideas. You wonder why young people and educated people, rich people, schooled people have tried to join ISIS. Western civilization, all of us, need to wake up to the fact that those murderers and rapists need to be called out. And in Western civilization, we need to make it clear that our faith in the Jewish and Christian principles force us to live a life bigger than ourselves, to be centers in justice, so that we can battle the radicals, call them out for what they are, and make sure that all of our people feel fulfilled in living in Western civilization. This is a giant battle in the world. If everyone has gotten a way in on this military issue, I'd like to be able to do the same. We have spent probably 12 minutes talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. We need the strongest military on the face of the planet, and everyone has to know it. And specifically what that means is we need about 50 Army brigades. We need about 36 Marine battalions. We need somewhere between 300 and 350 naval ships. We need to upgrade every leg of the nuclear triad. We need to reform the Department of Defense. We need as well to invest in our military technology. And we need to care for our veterans. So 307,000 of them are dying waiting for health care. Governor Bush, let's talk about an issue that's very important to Republican voters, and that's the Supreme Court. Uh, after Chief Justice John Roberts voted to uphold Obamacare twice, Senator Cruz criticized your brother for appointing John Roberts to the Supreme Court. Looking back on it, did your brother make a mistake? Well, I'm surprised Senator Cruz would say that since he was a strong supporter of John Roberts at the time. I, I, I will talk about what I will do as President of the United States as it relates to appointing Supreme Court justices. We need to make sure that we have justices that with a proven, experienced record of respect for upholding the Constitution. That is what we need. We can't have the history in recent past is appoint people that have no experience so that you can't get attacked. And that makes it harder for people to have confidence that they, they won't veer off. Is John on this Roberts case. one of those people? John Roberts has made some really good decisions, for sure. But he did not have a proven, extensive record that would, made, would, would have made the clarity the important thing. And that's what we need to do. And I'm willing to fight for those nominees to make sure that they get passed. You can't do it the politically expedient way anymore. This is the, the culture in Washington. You have to fight hard for these appointments. This is perhaps the most important thing that the next president will do. Do you like what you just heard, Senator Cruz? Well, Dan, I've known John Roberts for 20 years. He's an amazingly talented lawyer. But, yes, it was a mistake when he was appointed to the Supreme Court. He's a good enough lawyer that he knows in these Obamacare cases he changed the statute, he changed the law in order to force that failed law on millions of Americans for a political outcome. And, you know, we're frustrated as conservatives. We keep winning elections, and then we don't get the outcome we wanted. Let me focus on two moments in time. Number one, in 1990, in one room was David Souter, in another room was Edith Jones, the rock-ribbed conservative on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. George Herbert Walker Bush appointed David Souter. And then in 2005, in one room was John Roberts, in another room was my former boss, 
Mike Ludig, the rock-ribbed conservative on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. Thank you, George W. Bush appointed John Robertson. Let me give you the consequences of that. If instead the President Bush's had appointed Edith Jones and Mike Ludig, which is who I would have appointed, Obamacare would have been struck down three years ago, and the marriage laws of all 50 states would be on the books. These matter, and I've fought to defend the Constitution my whole life, and I'm the president as well. I want to let you respond. Well, first of all, he, as I said, he supported John Roberts. He supported him publicly. So you can rewrite history, I guess, Chad, but the simple fact is that you supported him because he had uh, all the criteria that you would, have, you would have thought would have made a great justice, and I think he is doing a good job. But the simple fact is, going forward, what we need to do is to have someone that has a long-standing set of uh, rulings that consistently makes it clear that he is focused exclusively on upholding the Constitution of the United States, that they, they won't try to use the bench as a means by which to, to legislate. And that's what we should do. And I hope I'll be working with members of the United States Senate to fight hard for the passage of people that have that kind of health well, Senator Cruz, 30 seconds. It is true that after George W. Bush nominated John Roberts, I supported his confirmation. That was a mistake, and I regret that. I wouldn't have nominated John Roberts, and indeed, Governor Bush pointed out why. It wasn't that the President Bushes wanted to appoint a liberal to the court. It said it was the easier choice. Both David Souter and John Roberts, they didn't have a long paper trail. If you'd nominated Edith Jones or Mike Ludig, you would have had a bloody fight, and they weren't willing to spend political capital to put a strong judicial conservative on the court. I have spent my entire life, starting from clerking for Chief Justice William Rehnquist on the United States Supreme Court, one of the most principled jurists. We have an out-of-control court, and I give you my word, if I'm elected president, every single Supreme Court justice will faithfully follow the law and will not act like philosopher kings imposing their liberal policy on millions of Americans who need to be trusted to govern us. Thank you, Senator. Governor Huckabee, I want to bring you in very quickly, if you could. Will you have a litmus test when it comes to appointing Supreme Court nominees? You better believe I will, because I'm tired of liberals always having a litmus test, and conservatives are supposed to pretend we don't. Well, let me tell you what mine would be. Number one, I'd ask, do you think that the unborn child is a human being, or is it just a blob of tissue? I want to know the answer to that. I want to know, do you believe in the First Amendment? Do you believe that religious liberty is the fundamental liberty around which all the other freedoms of this country are based? And I want to know, do you really believe in the Second Amendment? Do you believe that we have an individual right to bear arms, to protect ourselves and our family, and to protect our country? And do you believe in the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment? Do you believe that a person, before they're deprived of life and liberty, should in fact have due process and equal protection under the law. Because if you do, you're going to do more than defund planned parenthood. One final thing, that we absolutely believe the Tenth Amendment. Every governor on this stage would share this much with you. Every one of us. Our biggest fight wasn't always with the legislature or even with the Democrats. My gosh, half the time it was with the federal government, who apparently never understood that if it's not reserved in the Constitution, then the Tenth Amendment says it's left to the states, but somebody forgot Thank to you, send out to Washington. Thank you, Governor. Now, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, one of the hottest questions that you have been asking us via social media. We... Right now, uh, I have Cindy on the line, one of our panelists, while they take a short break. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in Cindy. Uh, what do you think so far? Well, you know what our rule is on this show. 
people don't talk over each other, right? <laughs> and so you can oh imagine my gosh, yeah. how I am feeling right now. <laughs> and no, I, uh, I came what, in yeah, late. I, I can't see that. I came in late, so I missed a lot of the first part of the debate. Um, what I've caught so far, they're the you know, it's one thing when they allow debate on the floor and people are allowed to interrupt. It's another thing to let the moderators interrupt people. I just think that's that's low that's low down. It's the moderators taking control of this of the situation. Um they're they're guiding the talking points that way. They're they're hushing up some people and they're letting others talk. They're giving Jeb Bush mm-hmm. all kinds of time, even though he only has nine percent of the vote. They ought to be making it the Trump and the um Carson show. And you know, my, my daughter mentioned that earlier too. Um, it's it's not about somebody that has one or two percent of um, support from the people of the nation. You know, uh, yeah, they ha- they should be given an opportunity to speak and and possibly um, move themselves up the ladder. Sure, but um, when you give when you give someone with nine percentage points so much time that they've given Bush to me is just obviously favoring him. And we all know why, you know, just, you know, we have. Well, yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to be part of our discussion. I'm actually going to get, I have a, a series of polls uh, that I got on good authority who uh, had a discussion with. So I've got a national poll and then also how the candidates are polling in some of the early primary states, such as North Carolina and Nebraska. Um, and let's see, I've got some for Iowa. I got the polls from New Hampshire. I have uh, polls from uh, the general election. What the, you know, how they're polling there. Um, and let's see, I thought I had one more poll here. Um, you know what yeah, my mom, you know what my sister, I mean, you know what my daughter just South said. South Carolina, not North Carolina, South Carolina. Go ahead. <laughs> my daughter just said, "Yeah, tomorrow morning. You know what's going to happen tomorrow morning?" They're all going to say Jeb Bush won the debate. That's because they've been giving him all the time. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to hear how uh, you know how folks did. Didn't know I watched part of the uh, the first debate or pre-debate. Uh, I watched that, so I'm going to maybe chime in that. a little bit about that as well. I'm sorry. I got sick of that. I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, you can't watch it anymore. People were- People were given such stupid answers. I just couldn't even. I just couldn't even stay with it. I just turned it off. And so you know, I'm looking through. My, actually, I looked for my notes on that. I hope I can find. <laughs> probably, I probably left them in uh, uh, the other room. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to that uh, as well. So it looks like we're probably going to be going back to the um, the debate shortly, and so we'll be definitely. Uh, Interesting to uh, bit, hear the rest of. You're a little up. bit behind. They're they're back now. Oh, are they? Okay. Well, you know, we're just I'm just you know the way it's piping in. You know how you know the airways are where they're doing that. So let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and I'll put you back on mute. And it looks like it is coming back on. Okie doke. Coming back to Russia, say. Thank <laughs> you. 
Republican presidential debate at the Reagan Library here in Simi Valley County, Valley, California. Many people on social media wanted us to ask about marijuana legalization. Senator Paul, Governor Christie recently said, quote, if you're getting high in Colorado today where marijuana has been legalized, enjoy it until January 2017 because I will enforce the federal laws against marijuana. Will you? I think one of the great problems and what the American people don't like about politics is hypocrisy. People who have one standard for others and not for, them, for themselves. There's at least one prominent example on the stage of someone who says they smoked pot in high school. And yet the people going to, to, to jail for this are poor people, often African-Americans and often Hispanics. Yet the rich kids who use drugs aren't. I personally think that this is a crime for which the only victim is the individual and I think that America has to take a different attitude. I'd like to see more rehabilitation and less incarceration. I'm a fan of the drug courts, which try to direct you back towards work and less time in jail. But the bottom line is the states, we send like the Tenth Amendment until we start talking about this. And I think the federal government's gone too far. I think that the war on drugs has had a racial outcome and really has been something that's really damaged our inner cities. Not only do the drugs damage them, we damage them again by incarcerating them and then preventing them from getting employment over time. So I don't think that the federal government should override the states. I believe in the Tenth Amendment, and I really will say that the states are left to themselves. I want to give that. I want to give the person that you call a hypocrite uh, an opportunity to respond. Do you want to identify that person? Well, I think if we left it open, we could see how many people smoke pot in high school. <laughs> Is there somebody you were specifically picking up? Well, you know, the thing is... You were talking about me. Yeah, I was talking but about... I thought, well, let me say it. Well, I wanted to make it easier for him. Yeah. And I just did. So 40 years ago, I smoked marijuana. Uh, and I admit it. I'm sure that other people might have done it and may not want to say it in front of 25 million people. My mom's not happy that I just did it. That's <laughs> true. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have... We have serious epidemic of drugs that goes way beyond marijuana. What goes on in Colorado, as far as I'm concerned, that should be a state decision. But if you look at the problem of drugs in this, in this society today, it's a serious problem. Rand, you know this because you're campaigning in New Hampshire like all of us, and you see the epidemic of heroin, the overdoses of heroin is taking place. People's families are, are being torn apart. It is appropriate for the government to play a consistent role to be able to provide more treatment, more prevention, we're the state that has the most uh, drug courts across every circuit in, in, in Florida. They're drug courts to give people a second chance. That's the best way to do this. But let, let me respond. The thing is, is that in Florida, Governor Bush campaigned against medical marijuana. That means that a small child like Morgan Hintz that has 500 seizures a day is failing on nine traditional medications, is not allowed to use cannabis oil, and that if they attempt to do that in Florida, they will take the child away. They will put the parents in jail. And that's what that means. If you're against allowing people to use medical marijuana, you'll actually put them in jail. Right? Actually, under the current circumstances, kids who have privilege like you do don't go to jail, but the poor kids in our inner, inner cities go to jail. I don't think that's fair, and I think that we need to acknowledge it, and it is hypocritical to still want to put poor people in jail. I don't want to put and, poor people in jail, Randall. You, oppose, you, 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 you oppose medical here, marijuana? No, I do not oppose when the legislature passed the bill to deal with that very issue. That's the way to solve this problem. Medical marijuana on the ballot was opened up. It was a, there was a huge loophole. It was the first step towards getting to a Colorado place. And as a citizen of Florida, I voted no. 
But that means you put people up there. You brought my issue up. That's true. Go ahead. I, I enjoy the interplay. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I just say this. You know, first off, New Jersey is the first state in the nation that now says if you are a nonviolent, non-dealing drug user, that you don't go to jail for your first offense. You have a mandatory treatment. You see, as Jake, I'm pro-life. And I think you need to be pro-life for more than just the time in the womb. It gets a lot tougher when they get out of the womb. And when there's a 16-year-old drug addict in the Florida County lockup, that life is just as precious as the life in the womb. And so that's why I'm for rehabilitation, why I think the war on drugs has been a failure. But I'll end with this. That doesn't mean we should be legalizing gateway drugs. And if Senator Paul thinks that the only victim is the person, look at the decrease in productivity. Look at the way that people get used and move on to other drugs where they use marijuana as a gateway drug. It's not them that they're the only victims. Their families are the victims, too. Their children are the victims, too. And their employers are the victims, also. And that's why I'll enforce the federal law while you can still put an emphasis on rehabilitation. Yes, you may respond, and then I'll bring it to you. Understand what they're saying. If they're going to say we are going to enforce the federal law against what the state law is, they aren't really believing in the Tenth Amendment. Governor Christie would go into Colorado, and if you're breaking any federal law on marijuana, even though the state law allows it, he would put you in jail. If a young mother is trying to give her child cannabis oil for medical marijuana procedure treatment, he would put her in jail if it violates federal law. I would let Colorado do what the Tenth Amendment says. This power, we were never intended to have crime dealing at the federal level. Crime was supposed to be left to the states. Colorado's made their decision, and I don't want the federal government interfering and putting moms in jail who are simply trying to get medicine for their kids. And, and Senator Paul knows that that's simply not the truth. In New Jersey, we have medical marijuana laws, which I've supported and implemented. This is not medical marijuana. This goes as much further step beyond. This is recreational use of marijuana. This is much different. And so while he'd like to use a sympathetic story to, to back up his point, it doesn't work. I'm not against medical marijuana. We do it in New Jersey. But I am against the recreational use of marijuana. If he wants to change the federal law, get Congress to pass the, uh, pass the law to change it. And get a president to sign. May I respond? Yes, Senator Paul. Here's the thing is he doesn't want to make it about medical marijuana, but what if New Jersey's medical marijuana contradicts the federal law? He's saying he will send the federal government in and he will enforce the federal law. That's not consistent with the Tenth Amendment. It's not consistent with states' rights, and it's not consistent with a conservative vision for the country. I don't think we should be sending the federal police in to arrest a mother and separate them from their child for giving a medicine to their child for seizure. I want to bring in the chair and the show. I very much hope that I am the only person on this stage who can say this, but I know there are millions of Americans out there who will say the same thing. My husband, Frank, and I buried a child to drug addiction. So we must invest more in the treatment of drugs. I agree with Senator Paul. I agree with states' rights. But we are misleading young people when we tell them that marijuana is just like having beer. It's not. And the marijuana that kids are smoking today is not the same as the marijuana that Jeb Bush smoked 40 years ago. We do. Sorry, Barbara. We do need we do need criminal justice reform. We have the highest incarceration rates in the world. 
two-thirds of the people in our prisons are there for nonviolent offenses, mostly drug-related. It's clearly not working. But we need to tell young people the truth. Drug addiction is an epidemic, and it is taking too many of our young people. I know this sadly from personal experience. Excuse you, and I'm like Tomorrow is, uh, Republicans are this, tomorrow is Constitution Day. We've been talking about the Tenth Amendment. So let's talk about the Second Amendment. Governor Bush, one of the things the Supreme Court has gotten right is that it's an individual right. It's protected for individuals. And a little bit. Last week you said the next step in gun issues is to make sure they're not in the hands of the mentally ill. In this state, there's a controversial law that allows guns to be taken away from people without a hearing. Where does it go, and the problem of violence is endemic, but where does it go from what you said yeah, last week, how far in people's lives to take guns away from? Not very far. I think we need to do this state by state. Uh, there are places to get this right, and we need to make sure that we protect privacy laws. This is a complicated place, but I do think uh, the natural impulse on the left, Hillary Clinton, immediately after one of these horrific violent acts of place, immediately said we need to have federal gun laws. President Obama, almost reflexively, always says the same thing. And the net result is you're going to take away rights of, of law-abiding citizens, the 99.999% of the people that are law-abiding citizens. That's not the right approach to do it. In Florida, we have a background check. We have concealed weapon permit holders. In fact, there's a million two hundred thousand of them. We have a reduction in violent crime because we put people behind bars when they use a gun in the commission of a crime. That's the better approach. But we're living in a society today where despair kind of grows in isolation. If a family member calls and says, my child, my brother, my sister is disturbed, ought the state be able to go and get their weapon without a hearing? I, I think there needs to be a hearing, but the fact is we need to encourage that kind of uh, involvement. That's a broader issue, issue here as well. First of all, the only people that follow the law are law-abiding people. Criminals, by definition, ignore the law. So you can pass all the gun laws in the world like the left wants. The criminals are going to ignore it because they are criminals. Here's the real issue. The real issue, the real issue is not why, what are people using to commit violence, but why are they committing violence? And here's the truth. Because you cannot separate the social, moral well-being of your people from their economic and other well-being. You cannot separate it. You can't have a strong country without strong people. You cannot have strong people without strong values. And you cannot have strong values without strong families and the institutions in this country that defend and support those families. Well, and today we have a left-wing government under this president that is undermining all of the institutions in society that support the family and teach those values. Senator Cruz, I wanted to go to you. Your constitutional litigation. Are you afraid of the next step theory of what happened to Second Amendment rights? I am not, and, and you mentioned that the U.S. Supreme Court had right, rightly upheld the individual right to keep and bear arms. I was proud to lead 31 states before the U.S. Supreme Court defending the Second Amendment, and we won that landmark victory. And indeed, just a couple of years ago, when Harry Reid and Barack Obama came after the right to keep and bear arms of millions of Americans, I was proud to lead the fight in the United States Senate to protect our right to keep and bear arms. And for that reason, I was honored to be endorsed by Governors of America Thank as you, the strongest supporter of the Second Amendment on this stage today. And I will fight every day. Mr. Trump, you have said once or twice that you are really rich, and you are by far the richest person on this stage. Uh, Chris Christie said billionaires like you, and even people who make and, and earn far less, 
should no longer get Social Security, or at least there should be limits based on the, on the income. You think he's wrong? And if so, why? Speaking for myself, I'm okay with it. I think there's a certain truth to it. I know people that, frankly, it has no impact on their life whatsoever. There are many people. I would almost say leave it up to them, but I would be willing to check it off and say I will not get Social Security. I do. As a, as a policy. As a policy, I would almost leave it up to the people. Don't forget, they pay in and they pay in, and maybe they do well, and maybe some people want it. But the fact is that there are people that truly don't need it, and there are many people that do need it very, very badly. And I would be willing to write mine off 100%. So is a voluntary program a way to get the Social Security system solvent again like that? No, it's not. But with Donald, it's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, listen. <laughs> this is an issue that, that we've got to talk about, and we haven't talked about yet. 71% of all federal spending is on entitlements and debt service. When John Kennedy was elected president in 1960, he was 26%. Harvard and Dartmouth says that Social Security is going to go insolvent in seven to eight years. So what I say is very simple. We need to save this program for the good people out there who are paid into the system and need it. And if that means making sure that folks like Donald and many of us on this stage don't get it, that's the right thing to do because here's what Hillary Clinton's going to want to do. She's going to want to put more money into a system that has already lied to us and stolen from us. This government doesn't need more money to make Social Security solvent. We need to be not paying out benefits to people who don't really need it. We need to protect the people whose Social Security means the difference between picking between heat and rent and food. That's why I put out the proposal, and that's the people hanging out. Governor Christie's right about it. I'm coming to you right now on a separate issue. We received a lot of questions from social media about climate change. Senator Rubio, Ronald Reagan's uh, Secretary of State, George Shultz, reminds us that when Reagan was president, he faced a similar situation to the one that we're facing now. There were dire warnings from the mass consensus of the scientific community about the ozone layer shrinking. Schultz says, Ronald Reagan urged skeptics in industry to come up with a plan. He said, do it as an insurance policy in case the scientists are right. The scientists were right. Reagan and his approach worked. Secretary Schultz asks, why not take out an insurance policy and approach climate change the Reagan way? Because we're not going to destroy our economy the way the left-wing government that, under, that we are under now wants to do. We're not think George Schultz. Well, I, I, I don't, he may have lined up with their positions on this issue, but here's the bottom line. Every proposal they put forward are going to be proposals that will make it harder to do business in America, that will make it harder to create jobs in America. Single parents are already struggling across this country to provide, provide for their families. Maybe a billionaire here in California can, can afford an increase in their utility rates, but a working family in Tampa, Florida, or anywhere across this country cannot afford it. So we are not going to destroy our economy. We are not going to make America a harder place to create jobs in order to pursue policies that will do absolutely nothing. Nothing to change our economy, to, to change our climate, to change our weather, because America is a lot of things. The greatest country in the world, absolutely, but America is not a planet. And we are, we are not even the largest carbon producer anymore, China is. And they're drilling a hole and digging anywhere in the world that they can get a hold of. So the bottom line is I am not in favor of any policies that make America a harder place for people to live or to work or to raise their families. Governor Christie, you have said that climate change is real and that humans help contribute to it. Without getting into the issue of China versus the United States, which I understand that you've talked about before, what do you make of skeptics of climate change, such as Senator Rubio? I don't think Senator Rubio is a skeptic of climate change. I think what Senator Rubio said, I agree with. That, in fact, we don't need this massive government intervention to deal with the problem. Look at what we've done in New Jersey. 
Um, we've already reached our clean air goals for 2020. And when I was governor, I pulled out of the regional cap and trade deal, the only state in the Northeast that did that. And we still reached our goals. Why? Because 53% of our electricity comes from nuclear. We use natural gas. We use solar power. We're the third highest using solar power state. You know why? Because we made all of those things economically feasible. I agree with Marco. We shouldn't be destroying our economy in order to chase a wild left-wing idea that somehow us by ourselves is going to fix the climate. We can contribute to that and be economically sound. We've proven that we could do that in New Jersey. Nuclear needs to be back on the table in a significant way in this country if we want to go after this problem. Jay, for the record, I was saying Secretary of State George Schultz, Ronald Reagan, Secretary of State. Everybody makes a mistake every once in a while, Jake, even George Schultz. And if that's truly a representation of what he believes we should be doing, then with all due respect to the former Secretary of State, I disagree with him. Jake, you mentioned me and called me a denier. Let me say, climate change. I called you a skeptic. Okay, a skeptic. You, know, you can measure the climate. You can measure it. That's not the issue we're, being, we're discussing. Here's what I'm skeptical of. I'm skeptical of the, deci- of the de- decisions that the left wants us to make because I know the impact those are going to have, and they're all going to be on our economy. They will not do a thing to lower the rise of the sea. They will not do a thing to cure the drought here in California. But what they will do is they will make America a more expensive place to create jobs. And today, with millions of people watching this broadcast that are struggling paycheck to paycheck, that do not know how they're going to pay their bills at the end of this month, I am not in favor of anything that is going to make it harder for them to raise their families. And Jake, you said there's a lot of those questions. A lot of those people, though, and I'm going to echo what Senator Rubio just said. This is an issue where we're talking about my state. It's thousands of manufacturing jobs, thousands of manufacturing jobs for a rule the Obama administration, as Owens EPA has said, will have a marginal impact on climate change. So we're going to put thousands and thousands of jobs in my state. I think it's something like 30,000 in Ohio, other states across this country. We're going to put people, manufacturing jobs, the kind of jobs that are far greater than the minimum wage, this administration is willing to put at risk for something its own EPA says is marginal. Thank you, Governor. This is what you I'm turning to another issue right now, Senator Bruce. Well, I think we've heard from several this evening. A backlash against vaccines was blamed for a measles outbreak here in California. Dr. Carson, Donald Trump has publicly and repeatedly linked vaccines, childhood vaccines, to autism, which, as you know, the medical community adamantly disputes. You're a pediatric neurosurgeon. Should Mr. Trump stop saying this? Well, let me put it this way. There there have been numerous studies, and they have not demonstrated uh, that there's any correlation between vaccinations and autism. Uh, This was something that was... uh, spread widely 15 or 20 years ago, and it has not been adequately, um, you know, revealed to the public what's actually going on. Vaccines are very important, certain ones, the ones that would prevent death or crippling. There are others, there are a multitude of vaccines which probably don't fit in that category, and there should be some discretion in those cases. But, you know, a lot of this is, is, is pushed by big government, and I think that's one of the things that people so vehemently uh, want to get rid of, big government. You know, we have 4.1 million federal employees, 650 federal agencies and departments. That's why they have to take so much of our taxes. Should he stop saying it? Should he stop saying the vaccines cause autism? Well, you know, I've just explained it to him. 
he can read about it if he wants to. I think he's an intelligent man who will make the correct decision after giving the real facts. Mr. Trump has friends. Mr. Trump has friends, and you would be in charge of the Centers for Disease Control and the National Institutes of Health, both of which say you are wrong. How would you handle this as president? Autism has become an epidemic. 25 years ago, 35 years ago, you look at the statistics, not even close. It has gotten totally out of control. I am totally in favor of vaccines, but I want smaller doses over a longer period of time. Because you take a baby in, and I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I had my children taking care of over a long period of time, over a two- or three-year period of time, same exact amount. If you take this little, beautiful baby, and you pump, I mean, it looks just like it's meant for a horse, not for a child. And we've had so many instances, people that worked for me just the other day, two years old, two and a half years old, the child, the beautiful child, went to have the vaccine and came back and a week later got a tremendous fever, got very, very sick, now is autistic. I only say it's not, I'm in favor of vaccines. Do them over a longer period of time, same amount, Thank but you. just in, in little sections. I think you're going to see a big impact on autism. Dr. Carson, you just heard his medical pick. <laughs> He's an okay doctor. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is we have extremely well-documented proof that there's no autism associated with vaccinations. But it is true that we are probably giving way too many in too short a period of time. And a lot of pediatricians now recognize that and I think are cutting down on the number and the proximity in which those are done. That's all I'm saying, Jake. That's all I'm saying. Dr. Paul, I'd like to bring you in. A second opinion. <laughs> one of the greatest, one of the greatest medical discoveries of all time were, were the vaccines, particularly for smallpox. And if you want to read a story, it's called Speckled Monster. It's an amazing story. It was all done voluntarily, but people came in by the droves. George Washington wouldn't let his wife visit until she got vaccinated. So I'm all for vaccines, but I'm also for freedom. I'm also a little concerned about how they're bunched up. My kids had all of their vaccines, and even if the science doesn't say bunching up's a problem, I ought to have the right to spread my vaccines out a little bit at the very least. All right, thank you so much. Coming up, Jake. Sorry, Governor Ackley, please. I think we need to remember that there are maybe some controversies about autism, but there's no controversy about the things that are really driving the medical costs in this country. And I would really believe that the next president ought to declare a war on cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and Alzheimer's because those are the four things that are causing the greatest level of cost. John Kennedy said we'll go to the moon in a decade and bring a man back, and we did it. I grew up in the 50s. I remember the polio vaccine. We saved billions of dollars since that time because we haven't had to treat for polio. Why doesn't this country focus on cures rather than treatment? Why don't we put a definitive focus scientifically on finding the cure for cancer, for heart disease, for diabetes, and for Alzheimer's, a disease alone that we have 1.1 trillion by the year 2050. We changed the economy and the country. We have to take another quick break coming up. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, bring Cindy back on the line. Cindy, uh, we've still got about a few more minutes left of the uh, debate, and then I'll go over the polls and then go over uh, through my notes. 
definitely, uh, I don't like the idea of there's talk, you know, a lot of force about the vaccines. At least there's a lot of talk about it, uh, even where I'm at, uh, where they even, you know, say, oh, well, you can't, you know, even have your kids go to schools if they don't have uh, certain vaccines. What's your thoughts on that? Hey, oh, am I on? There you go. Yeah. Am I here? You're here. Okay. <laughs> well, um, my daughter and I got sidetracked. We were <laughs> we missed a lot of that because we started talking about legalizing drugs. <laughs> and you know me, that's not. Oh, we'll definitely know. be talking about that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not for that, and um, you know I have lots of reasons why, and I I just think it's a bad thing, but um, that's not the most important issue. In fact, um, they haven't even, as far as I know, they haven't even gotten to the most important issue um, of of the night, um, and and that's what's what, and that is how the United States is being um, ushered into a a, a one world order. Where we are just going to melt yeah, no into one's the. No one talked about that. You're right. Yeah, and and I and I don't see them doing it because the the elitists have have um, pretty much uh, they've labeled everyone who knows anything about that and has any opinion about that a conspiracy theorist. And I have said many times on this show, I am a conspiracy theorist, and sometimes. <laughs> Conspiracies aren't just theories. Sometimes they really happen. And um, I, I, uh, I just think that they're missing the most important thing um, that we need to be speaking about as a nation, and that is our sovereignty in this world. We're about to lose it. They're back on now. Well, we're about to head back in, and so you're giving me the cue that they're about to start back up. And so let's go ahead and uh, get things uh, piped in here. We are in a little bit of a delay uh, for when they uh, come back on, but it looks like uh, we're about to get there shortly. Welcome back to CNN's Republican Presidential Debate with the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California. We have a few last questions for you, two of them a little lighthearted. Uh, the other one more serious. We'll start with one of the more light questions. Senator Paul, I'm going to start with you, and we're just going to go down the line. Earlier this year, the Treasury Department announced that a woman will appear on the $10 bill. What woman would you like to see on the $10 bill? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um... You know, I'm big on that uh, we were, and I love what Carly said about women's suffrage. I think uh, Susan B. Anthony might be a good choice. Governor Hockman. That's an easy one. I put my wife on there. I've been married to her 41 years. She's fought cancer and lived through it. She's raised three kids, five great-grandkids, and she's put up with me. I mean, who else could possibly be on that money other than my wife? And then that way she could spend her own money in her face. Senator <laughs> Paul? Senator Rubio, I'm sorry, Senator Rubio, I'm sorry. No, we all look alike. Man. <laughs> Just the tigers. The uh, Rosa Parks. <laughs> An everyday American that changed the course of this, Senator Cruz. Well, I wouldn't change the $10 bill. I'd change the 20 I'd take Jackson off, and I'd leave Alexander Hamilton right where he is in one of our house. 
Uh, and I very much agree with Marco that it should be Rosa Parks. She was a principal pioneer that helped change this country, helped remedy racial injustice, and, and that would be an honor that would be entirely appropriate. I put my mother on there. You know, she was uh, one of 24 children, got married at age 13, had only a third grade education, had to raise two sons by herself, refused to be a victim, wouldn't let us be victims, and has been the inspiration for many people. Well, because she's been sitting for three hours, I think my daughter Ivanka was right. Other than that, we'll go with Rosa Parks. I like Governor Bush. I would go with uh, Ronald Reagan's partner, Margaret Thatcher. Probably illegal, but what the heck? <laughs> this is not going to happen. A strong leader is what we need in the White House, and she certainly was a strong leader that restored the United Kingdom to the greatest. Governor Walker. First of all, I got to say to Carson Huckabee, he thanks a lot for making the rest of us look like chumps up here. But, uh, uh, I put Clara Barton. I once worked for the American Red Cross. She was a great founder of the Red Cross. Ms. Marina. I wouldn't change the $10 bill or the $20 bill. I think, honestly, it's a gesture. I don't think it helps to change our history. What I would think is that we ought to recognize that women are not a special interest group. When women are the majority of this nation. We are half the potential of this nation, and this nation will be better off when every woman has the opportunity to live the life she chooses. Governor Jason, this is probably not uh, maybe legal, but uh, I would pick Mother Teresa, the lady that I had a chance to meet, a woman who lived a life so much bigger than her own, an inspiration to everyone when we think about our responsibility to love our neighbors and love ourselves. Governor Christie, uh, I think the Adams family has been shorted in the currency business. Uh, our country wouldn't be here without John Adams, and he would not have been able to do it without Abigail Adams, so I put Abigail Adams on the floor. All right. Some good entries if anybody at the mint was listening. Here's the next lighthearted question. You all know that the United States Secret Service uses code names for the president and his family. Ronald Reagan's code name, for example, was Rawhide, an homage to his performances in Westerns, Nancy Reagan's was Rainbow. You don't have to come up with the one for your spouse, but what would you want, Governor Christie, I'll start with you, your Secret Service code name to be? <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been called a lot of names by a lot of different people, and now I've got to get called by names by the Secret Service. Um, I would just say True Heart. Well, I have one now. It was my detail. They called me Unit One. My wife says, You'll never be unit one. I'm unit one. You're unit two. <laughs> Secretariat. Governor Walker. Harley. I love writing harvest. Ever ready. It's very high energy, Donald. Humble. <laughs> 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 One nation. Senator Chris, you know, as a Cuban, I might go with Cohiba. And and I'll tell you, I'd go with for Heidi Angel because she is my Senator Well, there's some people in Florida upset at me over a joke I made about Florida State. But what the heck? I want my code name to be Gator. <laughs> I'd go with Duck Hunter. Uh, justice never flees. <laughs> That's a mouthful, but okay. Okay, here's a more serious question. Ronald Reagan, the 40th president, used the plane behind you 
to accomplish a great many things. Perhaps most notably, to challenge Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down the wall, and then ultimately to make peace with the USSR. How will the world look different once your Air Force One is parked in the hangar of your presidential library? Senator Paul. You know, I met Ronald Reagan as a teenager, and my family were big supporters of him when he ran against Gerald Ford. It was a big deal because he was the grassroots running against the establishment. And I'll never forget that and how we stood up and said, you know what, this is something new that our, that our country needs and our party needs. If I were president, I would uh, try to be one who says, you know what, I'm a Reagan conservative. I'm someone who believes in peace through strength, and I would try to lead the country in that way knowing that our goal is peace and that war is the last resort, not the first resort. And then when we go to war, we go to war in a constitutional way, which means that we have to vote on it, that war is initiated by Congress, not by the president. And then we go to war reluctantly. But then when we go to war, we don't fight with one arm tied behind our back. We fight all out to win, but then we come home. At the end of my presidency, I would like to believe that the world would be a safe place, and there wouldn't be the threats, not only to the U.S., but to Israel and our allies, because we would have the most incredible, well-trained, well-equipped, well-prepared military in the history of mankind, and they would know that a commander-in-chief would never send into a mission without all the resources necessary, but people wouldn't bully us anymore, because they would know that that would be an invitation to their destruction. Domestically, We'd be operating under a tax system that eliminated the IRS. People wouldn't be punished for their work and for what they produce. And life would be really deemed precious. Abortion would be no more. It would be as much of a scourge in our past as slavery is. And we'd have a peaceful country where people respected each other and people respected law enforcement. And we would focus on cures. And we would make this country not only safe from our enemies without safe from the enemies within. It would be a good place to raise our kids and our grandkids. One of the things that made Ronald Reagan a great president is that he understood that America was a unique nation, unlike any other that had existed throughout human history. He knew it was founded on universal principles that were powerful, the dignity of all people, human rights, the rights of all to live in freedom and liberty and to choose their own path in life. He just didn't believe it. He acted on it. That's why bringing down communism was so important to him. If I'm honored with the opportunity to be president, I hope that our Air Force One will fly first and foremost to our allies in Israel, in South Korea, in Japan. They know we stand with them, that America can be counted on. It would also fly to China, not just to meet with our enemies, not just to meet with those adversaries of ours that are there, but also to meet with those that aspire to freedom and liberty within China. I would even invite them to our inauguration. We would also fly into Moscow and into Russia, and not just meet with the leaders of Russia, but also meet with those who aspire to freedom and liberty in, in Russia. And ultimately, I hope that my Air Force One, if, I'm alone, if I become president, will one day land in a free Cuba, where its people can choose their leaders in its own destiny. Ronald Reagan believes in America. If I'm elected president, our friends and allies across the globe will know that we stand with them. The busts of Winston Churchill will be back in the Oval Office, and the American embassy in Israel will be in Jerusalem. Enemies across this world will know the United States is not to be trifled with 
ISIS will be defeated. We will have a president willing to utter the words radical Islamic terrorism. And the Ayatollah Khamenei will understand that he will never, ever, ever acquire nuclear weapons. Here at home, we'll reignite the promise of America. Young people coming out of school with student loans up to their eyeballs will find, instead of no jobs, two, three, four, five job opportunities. How will that happen? Through tax reform, we'll pass a simple flat tax and abolish the IRS. And through regulatory reform, we will repeal every word of Obamacare. You want to know what I'll do as president? It's real simple. We'll kill the terrorists, we'll repeal Obamacare, and we will defend the Constitution every single word of it. Well, you know, I was a radical Democrat before I started listening to Ronald Reagan. And he didn't sound like what they said Republicans were. He sounded logical. And I hope that I sound logical also. Because when I look at what's going on with the United States of America, I see a lot of things that are not logical. I see us allowing people to divide us when, in fact, our strength is in our unity. I see people exercising the most irresponsible fiscal habits that anyone could possibly do and hiding it from the American people so that the majority of people have no idea what our financial situation is. So when someone comes along and says, free college, free phones, free this and that and the other, they say, wow, that's nice, having no idea that they're destabilizing our position. And I think also that Ronald Reagan was a master at understanding that a pinnacle nation has to be a nation that leads. If we learn to lead in the Middle East right now, a coalition will form behind us, but they will never do it if we just sit there and talk about it. Real leadership is what I would hopefully, hopefully bring to America. If I become president, we will do something really special. We will make this country greater than ever before. We'll have more jobs. We'll have more of everything. We were discussing disease. We were discussing all sorts of things tonight, many of which will just be words. It'll just pass on. I don't want to say politicians, all talk, no action. But a lot of what we talked about is words, and it'll be forgotten very quickly. If I'm president, many of the things that we discussed tonight will not be forgotten. We'll find solutions, and the world will respect us. They will respect us like never before, and it'll be actually a friendlier world. And I have to say it's a great honor to be here tonight. Six million more people are living in poverty than the day that Barack Obama got elected president. Six million more people. The middle class has had declining income. Workforce participation rates are lower than they were in 1977. For the first time in modern history, more businesses are failing that are being created. That is what the next president will have to deal with. And I believe we can reverse course by creating a strategy of high sustained economic growth. Not the new normal of 2% that all the left says we just have to get used to, but a 4% growth strategy where we reform how we tax, fix the broken regulatory system, embrace the energy revolution in our midst, fix the immigration system so we can turn it into an economic driver, deal with the structural fiscal problems that exist because of our entitlement uh, problems that will overwhelm and create way too much debt. If we grow at 4%, people are going to be lifted out of poverty 
The great middle that defines our country will have a chance to be able to pursue their dreams as they see fit. That should be the great challenge and the great opportunity for the next president of the United States, to forge consensus, to go back to a high-growth strategy, and then we'll be able to lead the world. Without a high-growth strategy, our country will never have the resources or the, pop, or the optimism to be able to lead the world, which the world desperately needs our leadership. Well, I turned 13, 13 years old two days before Ronald Reagan was first elected. A lot of people forget this, but just a few days before the election, 1980, he was behind in the polls. But I think what changed things was people in America realized they didn't want to hear what was bad about America. They wanted to know how it was going to be better. Ronald Reagan wasn't just a conservative Republican. He was an eternal optimist in the American people, and I am too. So here's what I think will make America better. We need to live in a world where our children are free are free from the threats of radical Islamic terrorism. We need to live in an America where we have an economy where everyone can live their piece of the American dream, no matter what that dream is. And we need to live in an America where we have a federal government that's not too big, that, that's not too big to fail, but ultimately small enough to succeed, where we send powers back to the states and back to the people. That's what I did in Wisconsin. We took on the big government union bosses, the big government special interests, many of whom came in from Washington to spend millions of dollars to try and take me out because we stood up to them. We didn't back down in any of those instances. If you give me the chance as your next president, I won't back down any day, any way, anyhow. I'll fight and win for you and your families every single day I'm in office. I think what this nation can be and must be is symbolized by Lady Liberty and Lady Justice. Lady Liberty stands tall and strong. She is clear-eyed and resolute. She doesn't shield her eyes from the realities of the world, but she faces outward into the world nevertheless, as we always must, and she holds her torch high because she knows she is a beacon of hope in a very troubled world. And Lady Justice, Lady Justice holds a sword by her side because she is a fighter, a warrior for the values and the principles that have made this nation great. She holds a scale in her other hand. And with that scale, she says, all of us are equal in the eyes of God. And so all of us must be equal in the eyes of the law and the government, powerful and powerless alike. And she wears a blindfold. And with that blindfold, she is saying to us that it must be true, it can be true, that in this country, in this century, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you start. It doesn't matter your circumstances. Here in this nation, every American's life must be filled with the possibilities that come from their God-given gifts. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So as, uh, as president, I will make this a nation that will solve problems. And how? By having the elected officials and the leaders realize they're Americans before they're Republicans or Democrats. I did it in Washington, and I've done it in Ohio by having the elected officials realize that they're Ohioans before anything else. Secondly, I will rebuild the relationships and show the respect to our allies around the world. We have no choice but to do that. We will be stronger when we are unified and we'll fight for freedom and for human rights. And finally, a little bit of what Carly said. The people that are out there listening, 
America was never great because we ran America from the top down. America is great because we've run America from the bottom up where we all live in the neighborhoods. One more time in America, we need to revive the concept of citizenship where everybody's actions make a huge difference in changing the world. We have a Holocaust memorial on our state house grounds, and there is one line on there that stands out all the time. If you've saved one life, you've changed the world. We need to adopt that as citizens and rebuild and re-inspire our country. Thank you. I turned 18 in 1980, and my first vote was for Ronald Reagan. Boy, am I glad I did it. I think the country is, too. A Christie presidency won't be about me. It'll be about you. Tonight, you sit at home in your living room frustrated that you play by the rules. You pay the taxes. You do the hard things to raise your family. Did you feel like America's generosity is being taken advantage of, that your system is being gained, and that you're turning out to fall further and further behind? Our presidency, our presidency will be about ending, about enforcing the law, level the playing field for everybody, and once again reward those folks who play by the rules. I think that justice means more than just a word, but it means a way of life. And I will tell you this around the world, I will not shake hands with, I will not meet with, and I will not agree to anything with a country that says death to us and death to Israel and holds our hostages while we sign agreements with them. It'll be an America that'll be strong and resolute and will once again be able to stick out its chest and say, we truly are the greatest nation in the world because we live our lives that way each and every day. That concludes this Republican presidential debate. On behalf of everyone here at CNN, we want to thank the candidates, the Reagan Library, and the Republican National Committee. Thank you also to Hugh Hewitt and Dana Bash. The next presidential debate will also be right here on CNN among the Democratic candidates who will face off for the first time on October the 13th. That debate, a partnership with Facebook, will be moderated by my colleague, Anderson Cooper. And Anderson picks up our coverage of tonight's debate right now. Before I throw it to Anderson, let's have one final round of applause for the camera. Anderson. Okay, folks, and so that is the conclusion of the debate. I'm sure uh, you watched, listened to most of it on the TV, if not the entirety. If you are listening to this on the archive or the podcast, it's if you'd like to uh, be a part of the show, just give us a call at 347-945-7428, and uh, we'll get you into the show. You can tell us uh, what you thought of the different candidates and what they had to say about the multiple topics that they discussed tonight, as well as who you think that you won the debate. That's just going to be kind of a tough one. Boy, it was, uh, you know, hurt by a lot. So uh, we'll have to see how the polls go. Uh, but I think uh, there's a number of candidates that uh, shown at different times that I think it's going to be really difficult to decipher who was the winner of the debate. Um, but what I'm going to do now is I do have uh, from the Thorterra source some of the polls uh, that are out. Uh, and so what I'll do is I'll go through some of those before I go through uh, some more of uh, the debate here. And so what we'll do, I'll do here 
is uh, first is go with some of the national polls uh, that I've got. And we'll go down here. Now, these polls are from the as I said, national polls here. And it is from August the 31st to September 13th. So these are pretty accurate uh, on what they are going to be. And so let me go ahead and uh, go down these polls, uh, and then we'll uh, can do our discussion on uh, tonight's uh, debate. And then first, uh, as I said, from August 31st to September 13th, the national polls go as follows. We have Donald Trump, of course, as you know, in the lead with 30.5%. And then we have Ben Carson behind him at 20%. And then it really dips from there, where you have Bush in third place with 7.8%, Cruz at 6.8%, and then you have Marco Rubio at 5.3%, Huckabee 4.5%, Paul and Fiorina, who are both tied with 3.3%. Then we have Walker at 3%. Kasich at 2.5%. Christie at 1.5%. And then we have uh, even some of the folks who are from the other debate. Uh, We have uh, Santorum at 0.8%. Jindal, 0.5%. And then Graham is like 0.3% or something like that. Um, We also have some polls that you may find interesting from the earlier uh, primaries, and so what we're going to do is uh, go over some of those polls, which pretty much mimic the uh, national polls, but there are some differences. Uh, First of all, of course, it does have Donald Trump in Iowa, and these polls are from August the 26th till September 10th, so they are very recent as well. And so it has Donald Trump at 28.3, Carson uh, in Iowa at 22.7, and then uh, you go down to Cruz, who is actually in third place, which is different. Uh, he's in fourth place in the national polls, but him and Bush actually switched spots, it looks like, uh, from the national to Iowa. So we have Cruz in the third spot in Iowa at 7.7, and then Bush, uh, who also has 5% uh, with Rubio. And then after Rubio, you have Fiorina at 4.7%. And then you have Walker at 4.3, then Huckabee at 3.7, along with Paul, uh, Rand Paul at 3.7 as well, and then Kasich has three. And we also have Jindal at 2.7, and then Santorum with Christy and Graham at the end. And that is in Iowa. So a lot of it's the same, but there are a few differences. And then let's go ahead, and I believe I also have – the poll here for polls here for New Hampshire. And in New Hampshire, polls were taken from August 26th to, I believe, around September 10th. And it's got Trump uh, in first place at 29.5, Ben Carson at 14.5, and then as Kasich in third place in New Hampshire with 10.3, and then Free Arena with 8. Bush at 7.5, and then Cruz, and then Rand Paul at 4.8. Then Rubio and Christie both have 2.8, with Walker at 2.5, and then Huckabee at 1.3. And then you have the others who are under 1%. 
which includes Graham, Pataki, Jindal, and Santorum. And then we have, lastly, of these types of polls of the different primary, uh, early primary states is South Carolina. And these polls were between August 20th and September 10th. It has Donald Trump at 34.3%. And so that's even, uh, that's where he's actually doing his best, even better than the national poll, uh, is in South Carolina. With Ben Carson in second at 19%. With Bush in third place with 6.7, Cruz with 5.7, uh, Rubio 4.3, along with Fiorina at 4.3, and then Graham, well, of course, this is his home state, with 4%. So Trump is even really being Graham pretty bad in his own home state. Kasich at 3.7, and then Walker, and then Huckabee, and then we have Rand Paul at 2.3, and then we have Christie and Jindal. Now, these polls are interesting because we see where Trump is doing the best against Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Uh, Some of the back-to-back polls, uh, I mean, head-to-head, I should say, with Clinton uh, is a little bit different. Now, we do have Trump actually losing against Clinton at this point, with him getting 43.5% of the vote and Clinton getting... 46.3. Now, Bush actually uh, loses to Clinton as well. These these are unbelievable, folks. Uh, It really is. Uh, And all these are, you know, polls are from, you know, July up until September, so they're really recent as well. And so uh, Carson, I'm sorry, Bush uh, is 44% to Clinton's 45.2. And then we have Carson with a 44.7%. Carson actually is beating Clinton, okay, by by 44.7% to Clinton's 46.3. And I believe he's actually the only one uh, who who they're looking at as a head-head with Clinton that is beating her, and that's Ben Carson. Uh, So, because Rubio is at 44% uh, to uh, Clinton's 46.3, and we have Cruz at 47%. I'm sorry, 41.3 to Clinton's 49. I think I may have some more head-to-head. Let's see. Here's more of Clinton. That looks like uh, Fiorina uh, would get 42 against Clinton, 48.3. Kasich, 39 to Clinton's 46.5. Rand Paul, 42.5. To Clinton's 46.5, Huckabee at 41.5 to Clinton's 49, and then Christie 39% to her 48%. Now, excuse me. And if we just have a few with uh, Sanders, where we have Trump actually beating Sanders, uh, 42.7% to 42%, and we also have Bush. Losing to Sanders at 42.7% to 43.3. Now, the four candidates that are uh, within the margin of error is uh, Bush, actually. Um, and then it goes Carson, and then Rubio, and then Trump. Uh, so, those are the four candidates who are within the margin of error. Uh, so, Carson actually 
if we do look at the margin of error, you can actually have, um, see, you know, a possibility of, and I was wrong, it's 40, Carson's not, I was reading that wrong, I apologize, folks. Carson's at 44.7 with Clinton at 46.3, so she's still head-to-head would be beating them, uh, but it's only a small point spread. So I did, did find this interesting. I want to thank to my contributor uh, for giving me, which is a confidential source, so unfortunately I can't give those numbers out, um, and I can't even say why I can't, uh, but I just uh, t- told the contributor I will not do that, uh, compromise them. And so, Cindy, it looks like we have you back. Uh, does any of those polling numbers, especially within the head-to-head, surprise you? Yeah, every one of them, because I can't believe that this nation would ever vote for Hillary Clinton over anybody that ran against her. I I don't even see her winning her own party's nomination. I think if her own party uh, nominates her, I think they're crazy. I I just, and you you know, when when you see that um, 40, only 46% of of Democrat women now support her, um, I, I just can't imagine that she'd be doing any better among the men um, I mean, Democrats would have to so outnumber Republicans in this country for her to to be able to um, overcome that against any Republican. Um, but I just want to see I want to see whether she can even win her nomination. If people, oh God, you know, I just can't believe it. I I just can't believe. Yeah, I'm pretty shocked there myself. People, I mean, when you look at the things that have occurred under her leadership as Secretary of State, I mean, those are serious, serious. Any other time in our American history, she would have been brought up for treason in a heartbeat. I I just don't understand how how the Clintons in general are so protected. I don't get that. I don't know how they're doing it, but they have a a wall built around them somehow or another. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, it, it, but she, yeah, she, as you said, she's not doing uh, as well. And, and, and that's the point. It's actually the people who are doing well in their primaries are actually the ones not doing well. Because uh, I mean, Cl- Cl- I mean, Clint Trump doesn't even beat her right now. Now, of course, you know, I mean, I, maybe because you know they don't have a lot of choices on the Democrats' uh, side right now. I mean, think about it. there's two, maybe even three. I mean, you heard at the end of the debate they're they're talking about in October having the GO. I mean, having the Democrat debate. What's it going to be? Uh, Sanders, who's you know who's a socialist and admits it. And Clinton, just two candidates already just battling it out for the uh, for the nomination, and maybe if by that point at uh, that point Biden, if he decides to uh, get his hat in the ring, but to my understanding, he was waiting till the uh, he was waiting till like late fall before he makes his decision on that. Just to my understanding, still more time, you know, plenty of time. Well, that's to me, that's about the only reason that. Uh that uh, Hillary Clinton could win is if everybody else just gets uh, scared away for some reason. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> those Clintons are scary, man. If I was trying to come up against them, I'd be scared. <laughs> I'd be scared for my life, I mean, you know. Uh, I, Ryan, I think, Holly, you're correct. It, you're uh, it's the 13th people, of October. Yeah, I think the, for the people behind, behind them is so pervasive and so ugh, muscular. <laughs> Just like I love... I loved how um, uh, Dr. Carson used the word muscular today. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, uh, now for me right now, it's kind of hard to decipher. Um, I don't, you know what, here's the thing. I think a- after tonight, here's the candidates who I think are going to get a little bit of a bump and who I think are going to get, uh, you know, and, and I'll go with the first debate. The first debate, and I don't know how many people watched it. I know I did. Okay. But I guess of the candidates there, Graham, Santorum, which, you know, I don't like him, um, even though he did have some things uh, that I did, you know, like what he said. Uh, you know, but the person who impressed me the most of that debate, and perhaps if people could go back and look at some clips, was uh, Jindal. I think, I think you know, Jindal might get a few, you know, a little bit of a bump, you know. I mean, not a lot of people watched it, but perhaps it's still get a little bit of a bump. I think Trump might actually go down after this debate. Uh, I think people in this debate were looking for more substance, and yeah. Trump really didn't have it. Um, and he, didn't, he was not very substantive. And so I, I think his poll numbers might go down. I think you might see uh, Ben Carson going up. Uh, because, I mean, think about it. Of all the candidates on there, he's probably the most calm. And then I, I think we're going to see uh, – not, maybe not a lot, but uh, but I could see – and I still think he wouldn't go past being lower than second place. But I could see Trump's numbers going down after tonight. What do you think? Yeah. Um, in fact, they've already gone down some since the last debate. Um He's not as strong. He was not as strong going into this debate as he was the last one. He was uh, way, way farther ahead of every other contender last last debate. So, and this time Carson was right up there within a few points of him. So, Carson's been coming on strong, um, and uh, I think once as people are getting to know Carson, they're saying, you know, hey. Uh, He's more than just a doctor. He's he's actually got a head on his shoulders to for politics too. And uh, I don't know. They they've got to give him more of an opportunity to speak though. They've been um, holding him down basically. They have not been giving him the floor very much for issues where he really does have opinions, but they won't let him give them. They don't want him to appear to be smart on other issues. They want him to be labeled a one a one issue candidate, which is, you know, health care. And uh so they Yeah, they kinda want to box him into just that, right? Yeah. And now here's the thing now. I I <clears throat> I I posted uh this week on my Facebook page um and I posted it all around. If you think that Carly Fiorini is one of us, think again. She's a friend of Jesse Jackson and feels sorry for Boehner. Condemns Cruz and criticizes the government shutdown. We've had enough of her. And uh, I put two videos out here. One of them is still up there. The other one has actually been taken down. But I found another really? one to replace it. Yeah, but I found another one to replace it. 
the Angel same interview. Took it down? I don't know who took it down, but um Maybe it was the administrator of the of the group that you put it I don't up know. in. The first one the first one was put up by a, a private person and I would say that um since it was a CNN uh interview they probably took it down, and they, they have their own up here, and they didn't want the competition. But anyway, it's the same interview. Oh, and yeah. in it, she talks about how she feels sorry for for Boehner because Cruz has made it impossible for him to be able to deal with the other side and, and get things done. And so, you know, that's just indication to me that um, she's just another uh, get along uh, go-along-to-get-along politician. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand why she lost her senatorial, her Senate race, um, that she, uh, there was like a couple of things that she um, ran for that she lost. In fact, uh, you know, she hasn't been all she that seems, successful. She seems kind of smarmy, don't she? I, yeah. I, I, she, always, she, can't, I know, she, she seemed kind of smarmy tonight. Am, am I wrong in that? No, I think you're right. I think she's very smug. And uh, self-righteous. Yeah. uh, Excuse me. And I think she's, you know what her paramount uh, advantage is? She has a way of selling herself that you don't really see except for anybody but Trump. And she's been able to sell herself as this successful businesswoman and that she's not part of the inner circle She's a new kind of politician, you know the 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 um you know the, the Trump types and the Carson types that aren't from the inside, but she's very mm-hmm. much on the inside. All her friends are on the inside, and and she has uh, she has portrayed herself uh, way different from what she really is. And when you look at how she just uh, I mean, just gave such a, a glowing report on Jesse Jackson. I mean, that alone tells you something's wrong with this woman. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I I have big problems with Carly Fiorini, and the more I, the more excuse me, Fiorina, the more I get to know That's her past. Yeah, yeah, the more I get to know her past, the the more I realize. Uh, she is not a Trump type or a Carson type, you know, out there, um, a maverick doing her own thing. She's very much a part of the elitist groups in there, uh, very much a part of the inner circle. So, uh, I I mean, I hope that um, she doesn't get a, a big boost out of this. Um Mm, you know, I I, I think she might. I, mean, I think she might get a little bit, but I think her. You know, here's the thing. I think what gains she could have gotten from what from what she has said come out of her mouth. Um, I think the way that she said it is just gonna balance it out, and she's really not gonna get much. So she did, and she came out. She came across as smug. Her body language and her um her, her body language and her facial expressions were that. Well, I'm better than you. Who the hell are you? Blah, blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's how I yeah. got it. I mean, she did say yeah. some things that made some sense, but I, I just, you know, she just seemed so, as you said, smug and smarmy. I did, I did not like mm-hmm. her. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm liking her less. I used to like her, but 
uh, as as I'm learning about her, I'm liking her less. In fact, uh, most of these guys, I'm liking them even less as they go along. Um, I, what I what I can't stand, and and what you see so much of in these debates, is one person riding on the coattails of another person's um, idea. Uh, I'm so tired of seeing people go. People say, you know the same thing that the other guy said, as if they've just thought of it, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I see a lot of that in uh, uh, Carly Fiorina. I saw a lot of that in uh, Scott Walker tonight. And you know the guy that's been on this show before, um, Todd Daniel Welsh, I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He was, he was a, um, a delegate to the convention, yes. Yeah. Todd Daniel Welch, he was a developed de- delegate to the convention in 2012, and we had him on the right. show a couple times. And um, I asked him one time, you know, and, and I may have said this before on the show, and I just want to say it again because I think it's very important. I asked him what, why wasn't he supporting, because he's supporting someone else. And I said, well, why are you not supporting your own Scott Walker? Um, and uh, he gave me this big old long list of things that Scott Walker has done while he was there in Wisconsin, and the only positive thing he had to say was the, you know, the the union fight that he had, that he won, you know, the SEIU union fight, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and even that, Todd said that they he had to be forced into that, so he's. He's really only the the only good things he's done he's been forced into, and then he has not been um, a reliable conservative uh, for the people of Wisconsin. And somehow, because of that one incident in the Capitol, with you know him against all the labor unions, it made him look like a, a hero. And so he's got a, he's he's had a lot of mileage off of that, but it's not really something that. Um, that denotes his his true political career. So I don't trust him. I'm, I, the more I learn about him, the the, le, the, the less I like him too. So I, I don't know. I, you know, and Donald Trump went and signed that pledge, um, back down. He on went or he did? Terms. I thought he did. Uh, no, he, he didn't did. sign it. Yes, yes he I did sign so. the pledge. Yeah, and. And then he backed down on the parent. Now he says, oh, we're going to fund women's issues. But he doesn't say how he's going to do it. Um, right. And then, of course, and then, of course, he made the... Now, this is the monumental statement that I am so tired of hearing that I'm about up to my neck with it. And I think maybe if somebody says it in my presence, I might actually punch him in the face. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, people won't be... Yeah. Um, I'm tired of people saying that because of the decision of uh, Chief Justice Roberts and the others on the Supreme Court that gay marriage is now the law of the land. Okay. Oh, I'm so sick of hearing I, that. I, I am so sick of hearing that because the, the Supreme Court does not make laws. Okay. They interpret the laws that are already on the book. Okay. They, they're allowed to say whether something is unconstitutional or not. That wasn't their argument. Okay, and 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 for them, for for people to be going along saying um, that be, 
because the Supreme Court said it, it's now the law of the land. That is that is so unconstitutional, it's ridiculous. Now, you remember mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago when I read the quote by Thomas Jefferson about the Supreme Court, how he had called them a, a, a tyranny of, uh, an oligarchy of tyranny, um, mm-hmm. if they ever got that kind of power. And now here they are. They're, we are being ruled by an oligarchy uh, of tyranny. And, and what they, basically what they say goes. And it doesn't matter what our Congress, what laws our Congress makes. They're, if they don't like it, they're going to declare it unconstitutional, whether it mm-hmm. is or not. So right. anyway, I'm, I'm tired of them saying that. A couple of them said that tonight again. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I know Chris Christie's one who says that. Jeb Bush yeah. says that. I think uh, Kasich even kind of says that. Um you know, so those are the ones that they, they come to mind. But all I know is I heard it a couple times tonight, and I was really, I was really hoping that Republican candidates would be above that, and that they would, they would know better. That sounds like a Democrat candidate comment, you know. And yet, look at all well, the you know, Republicans. Well, and that's one of the things Jindal said. You know, that's a, that's one of the things Jindal said tonight was, you know, in, in the earlier debate, was it's like, look, it's like, you know, now we've got the the, the liberal par- party and the, you know, he didn't say Democrat light, but basically it was, you know, pretty much alluding to that the Republicans weren't, weren't any better now to the uh, Republic, uh, to the Democrats. It's like, look, we got the majority, but what does that mean? I mean, what, what's been stopped? I mean, I was really impressed with Jindal tonight. I really like to see him get more centers, you know, I really like to see yeah. him get well, more I, time. Actually, I like Jindal. I like Jindal. Um, uh, I, I I don't necessarily like his delivery very much. He he has kind of a strange way of of speaking, but not not strange. Just um, maybe a little coarse. I'm not sure how I want to put it. Not less less um, diplomatic. Maybe we could say. But anyway, well, um, but I do Trump. like. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know me. I'm I'm not really a big fan of Trump. I am a fan of having somebody out there that lets the press know, lets the elite, the elitists know that he's not going to be pushed around by them. But, you know, he signed the pledge. So where did that go? You know, now we don't have that guy out there willing to say, you're not going to push me around. Okay. It, it, now he's gone. Mm-hmm. That guy he used to be able to count on uh, is no longer out there putting that forward. I, I mean, and it's like I don't know what the death grip is that that those people have on people. I don't know if they, I don't know if they threaten them physically, threaten them monetarily. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't figure it out what hold they have that they would cause Donald Trump, the one that at one moment says there's no way I'm going to sign a pledge like that, and then all of a sudden he's signing a pledge. How does that happen? A guy well, like Donald I, well, you Trump. Know what? Uh, well, I think I think it's more to the fact that you know Republicans. And they're not to talk about the. Uh, you know, the elites or even the the other candidates, I think that Republicans themselves, you know, us, well, I'm not a Republican, but you, but I mean, 
is that they were like, yeah, you, you sign it. They were getting worried. I mean, and I think that might, he might have, you know, had his advisor saying, look, you, might, you, you better sign this because, you know, they're worried. They, they don't want it where, you know, we, we have to worry about a third party. We do not want a Bernie Sanders or a Hillary Clinton being president. And if you go third party, there's a lot of folks uh, concerned that that's what's going to happen. Well, but I don't agree with that. And, and I don't think that he would have actually run as a third party, but I don't think he should have ever signed any kind of a pledge like that. Um, I, and so what if they said, we don't want you to run as a third party? If that's what I'm going to, if I want to do that anyway, I'm going to do it, you know. Um, and that's That was his attitude before. Um, if, if I don't like who you put up as your nominee, if right. you put up Jeb Bush, if you put up Jeb Bush, I'm coming out as a third party. You know, because we don't well, you need another White House. Right. I mean, and, and, you, and you, you probably noticed, and we brought this up on the show, is that as soon as he did sign that, the attacks came on. Because they really weren't attacking Bush all I mean, Bush. They weren't att- attacking Trump all that much until he signed that. Now that he signed it, you know, it, it opened up the floodgates on, on attacking him. Mm-hmm. Well. No, I, I mean, and I only, I mean, he, I probably like the, I mean. Isn't he, isn't he smart enough to know that that's going to happen? I mean, he's supposed to be well, so smart. Did, but as I said, yeah, because the Republican, you know, because Republicans are probably like, no, I'm just saying, as I said, you know, the the grassroots Republicans, the ones who are supporting him are probably saying, hey, look, sign this thing because we don't, we don't want to have to worry about that. We'll support you if we don't have to worry about that. You know, maybe his no, advisors were telling him something of that nature. I, don't, I think it's the opposite. I don't think it's the grassroots that that are saying that. I think it's the elitists that are saying that because they don't want they don't want the competition from out there. Um, the grassroots are about ready to join a third party anyway. Okay, we're we're ready to start yeah, a third party. Yeah, I can feel some of that. So it's not us. It's not us that's that's so um, against this third party thing. It's it's the it's the Republican. No, well, I mean, uh, well, I mean the grass. You mean you mean even the grassroots Republicans? Are we willing I'm to about, third party? I'm, yeah, I am. I'm talking about people like you and I. You already left the Republican Party, right? Right. Yes, okay. I have. I'm about to. If we get Jeb Bush as our our candidate, if we get another elitist, um, you know, next in line type candidate, uh, I'm done with the GOP. And I think there's a lot of people out there like us that if there was someone like Trump that came along and started a third party, uh. I can see a lot of people joining that third party. And I think the avalanche of people joining that party would happen so uh, strongly and there would be so many people falling into that third party that I think the GOP could go the way of the Whigs um, and, and be gone. I really do. Well, I, I think, think the whole thing... Well, I think the concern, well, I think the concern is there's a lot of conservatives... Uh, didn't vote to take a time, in, you know, because they were so disgusted with the Republican Party. Then now I think they might be like, you know what? Well, we were wrong for not, I mean, I'm not saying I'm saying this, but I'm thinking a lot yeah. of them are saying, well, we were wrong for not being a part of it, and now we got a bomb again, so now we're going to have to, you know, stay strong and be together because, my gosh, we don't want to have Hillary in there. Well, you would think that, but to tell you the truth, I haven't heard the first person say that they wish they had voted. 
I have not heard one person that didn't vote for Romney say that they were sorry that they didn't. And they no, wish they had gone to the polls and voted. I haven't heard you know. one person say that. Not one person. So I, I really, you know, I had all I can do is go by what I know in my heart and what the people around me are saying. And to tell you the truth, I really think that it's the it's the grassroots conservatives, the tea, let's call them the Tea Party-ish people in our party, that would not be so opposed to um, Trump running on a third third party ticket. It is the elites that lost because of uh, they lost their their reelection bid because of uh, Perot. Um, Oh, yeah. Bush, Bush Sr. And um, when that happened, uh, you know, that scared the poop out of them because then they see, oh, gosh, we don't necessarily have con- complete control. Somebody like this Perot guy can come along. And I'm sure they were afraid of that very same thing with, with Ron Paul. I'm sure they thought that Ron Paul just might go off and... and uh, run last year, he he would have done pretty well. I don't know that he would have gotten 20% like Perot did, but um, he would have gotten a, a big a big chunk of votes if he'd have run on a third-party ticket. Those people were sick to death of what happened at that 2012 convention. Every Ron Paul oh, supporter yeah. was livid. They were ready to... Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sure half of them have left the party anyway. So... I can see that that it's the it's the elitists that don't want Trump to run on third party because I think they see that there is a groundswell of the grassroots that they really have ignored. They have thought that they could beat them in a fight. They thought their money could beat us. Um, and, you know, so far they've been right about that. But they may be getting a little... Um, antsy now. Now they're not now they're not thinking that they're so confident. And if somebody like Trump that had thirty something percent of the mm-hmm. uh of the support <clears throat> you know and, and, and he's running on a third ticket, that's something to be that's something to be worried about if you're the elites up there trying to control stuff. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing with Trump that I I mean that I like. I mean there's a lot I don't like to be honest, but there's a lot I like too. But I mean, I just—I mean, to be honest, I just like one of the—I just like the idea of having someone other than a politician. Uh, yeah. Now, there's only one politician, or, or you know, formal politician that you know that I would pull my, you know, full support uh, behind, and that would be Newt Gingrich. Um, and gosh, I'm just hoping he pulls a Bernie Sanders and just decides to come in late in the game. But not Bernie Sanders, <laughs> a. Um, Bernie Sanders already in it. You know, I'm talking about a. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm having a brain freeze. Uh, uh, Joe Biden. There we go. That's oh, why he's, uh, yeah. he's going to be pulling a Joe Biden and get back in. But you know what? Uh, I think uh, I've talked enough. Let me go ahead and bring in Kelly. Looks like he wants to chime oh, in. Kelly? If anyone else out there, yeah, if anyone else like to chime in, uh, because of the time of the uh, how much time the debate took. Uh, we're to have less time, uh, so we only got like eight minutes before calling in. Uh, so give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. 
if you'd like to uh, be in on the show, because if you don't call in within the next eight minutes, then unfortunately you will not be able to. And so uh, you won't be able to listen to the extended period or, uh, more importantly, chime in and tell us who you think uh, won the debate tonight. Uh, so unfortunately, we didn't have as much time uh, to get the callers in because, the, for one, the debate went longer. Uh, but give us a call at 347-945-7428. Put that one on your number dial if uh, you wish to chime in. But, Kelly, thank you very much for coming to the show. How much of the debate were you able to get to tonight? Well, I heard it was on at 7, so I showed up at my buddy's house and we watched it. So I got to see the last half, I guess. But yeah, I was I was so stunned. I was like giving applause to so many candidates. I mean, you know, I, I would say Rubio's the most eloquent. I mean, these guys are such good debaters. I would call them all master debaters. Um, <laughs> it's not dark logic after dark yet, there, Kelly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I I noticed uh, that could be Ted Cruz. We're all masters of the debate. Yeah. Yeah, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and Huckabee all want to get rid of the IRS. That's very clear. And uh, Ben Carson, I'm just like, eh, I'm not so sure. Uh, I still like him. He's very uh, definitely a unifier. He could really help the country there. Um, yeah. So many good things about so many candidates, you know, except there were a couple guys that, you know, of course, Jeb Bush, um, and then, the, you know, you had... Oh, he looked like an idiot tonight, I think. Yeah, <laughs> really so do. he goes... Yeah, well, my buddy, he goes, well, they asked the question, um, you know, Secret Service would have a nickname for you. What would that be? And when it came to Chris Christie, my buddy goes, Jelly Donut. <laughs> oh, my God, what I is, was going to say Donut. I said oh, Donut yeah. for Christie, too. <laughs> I said Donut, not Jelly, but I did say Donut for Christie. I swear yeah, I don't say like Donut. I like so, Trump. I like Trump's word, humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah, was, yeah, that was funny. He, he has some funny. And it's kind of cool when him and Bush, uh, Bush him, and uh, Trump just kind of like, hey, I, you know, slap a hand. That was a good tease on me. You know, Trump has some good attributes. You know, with, with working with people. No, I'm not a Trump fan yet. I have not. I will not succumb to the premature etrumpulation. So, um, but. Uh, I, I was really impressed with quite just really a number of them. Um, I didn't like the Rubio because he's, he kind of says some things, but he's not, I'm not sure if he's even constitutional eligible. So my, but my buddy really liked him. And then Rand Paul, he kind of rips on my buddy doesn't like Rand Paul. Uh, but he did bring up that if we're going to go to war, we have to have a constitutional declaration of war. Is he the only one that gets the Constitution? Well, Ted Cruz does. Definitely Ted Cruz does. Um, but it's just like, I, I know, I knew this. Did you know that Justice Souter was appointed by George Bush Sr.? The guy's a freaking flaming love. What the heck? <sighs> anyway, so, yeah, one more Bush, and I'm, I I think I'm, I'm there with you. Um, I might leave the party. Well, wait a minute. I left the party years ago, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, you know, they're kind of starting to weed down, uh, what's his name, uh, that guy from Texas, um, well, Chris Perry? Yeah, Chris Perry, Perry did, yeah, Perry did, he, he bowed out, but, um, what's interesting is somebody did a, a YouTube video on him, um, you know, fake president network, and, um, 
they they did this. Uh, he was like in a library, and he says, "People think I'm not very smart. That well, I don't have a big oh, vocabulary that I don't know. That I've read that 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 big book that the the, the, the that big book of words. <laughs> the dictionary. I think I've seen that. Dictionary, yeah. But he didn't say that. That big book of words and these people. Yeah, it was called the Fake Politician Network. You can watch those YouTube videos. Of course, it was Ron Paul bias, but it was hilarious. Anyway, um, the facing reality, I think, I think Trump, if he if he gets um, Iowa, New Hampshire, and then South Carolina, it's over. He's way up high in Florida, even though the Jebster, that's where Jebster's from. Um, but didn't so they Iowa, say that? Didn't they say that Kelly about Romney, and and yet on came uh, Gingrich with Georgia and South Carolina, and I mean, wasn't Romney like ahead in Iowa and New Hampshire, and and looked like he was just gonna you know run away with it, and then along came uh, Newt. Well, yeah, that, South Carolina was definitely Newt's state. I mean, that was a no-brainer there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh... Well, Trump is up in, in South Carolina right now. He's what? Trump's, Trump's at third, let's see, in South Carolina, Trump's at 34%. Yeah, 34.3% in South Carolina. Well, is it 12 or 13 candidates up on the screen tonight? Well, there was a uh, them, but then was... there was the, 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 the debate at 6 to 8 o'clock tonight Eastern. I don't know, 13 candidates or 12? Oh, there's 11? No, there was only 11 on the stage tonight, but I, I think there's okay. 14 right. candidates all together still in, right? Real quick, for those in the chat or any, uh, anywhere else listening in, it looks like you've got to call in within two minutes or we're not gonna, you're not going to be able to hear uh, the extended period of the show or being able to chime in if there's anything you'd like to say. Especially who you thought uh, won the debate. We will get to that discussion a little bit. Uh, if we can even be deciphered who won, but at least uh, you can give us some, your, some of your ideas on that. Maybe if there's uh, some points that you really liked uh, that you heard tonight, uh, give us a call 347-945-7428. And then, of course, hit the one on your number dial uh, if you'd like to chime in. And now let me know that you want to get into the show. Uh, so just hit that one button. And so you only have about 90 seconds left to call in at 347-945-7428. Uh, and so speaking gotta, of that, I, mean, I, gotta I'm trying to decide... I got a wager for you guys. <laughs> have you guys watched anything yes. on the Fox? Have you watched anything on Fox News yet about um, their their take on who won, who lost, whatever? Well, uh, absolutely nothing. I've, I I. They have not watched okay. Fox News, and I think good. Then let's have a wager here. How how many okay. will bet against me? If how many will bet against me if I say they're all going to claim that Jeb Bush won that debate? I'll bet against well, you. I'm a, I won't wager against you on that. <laughs> you, you won't, Kelly. Who do you think? Who do you think they're going to say won the debate, Kelly? Um, I didn't get to see the first part of it, but. Um, you know, Jeb came across okay, but if they want to bias him, they will. That's, of course, all right. There's personal opinion, and then there's personal bias. So 
there's a personal bias that Fox has, then yeah, they're going to do it. Um, yeah, but I, I think you're going to say either Bush or, or, or Rubio. That's my, that's my guess. Well, you know, Rubio was bet. stunningly affluent. Rubio was yeah, stunning. he was. Yeah, he was and, actually better than better for, than the first by far. Yeah, for me, oh my gosh. I think he did good, but it's, uh, I think he did good. Fiorini, well, yeah, we we talked about Fiorini, Fiorina, whatever, uh, before uh, you came in. What were your thoughts on her, that, uh, and see if it kind of coincides with what uh, Cindy and I were thinking? Well, she's phenomenally eloquent and from the heart. I mean, she was pulling my heartstrings on one of her dialogues. I'm like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, this is this was my take on her. Since you didn't get to hear it, let me tell you my take on her. Uh, I think she has a good speech writer, and she memorized a lot of stuff to say tonight. Um, I think that, it, though, if you look at her past, her political past and her personal past, her business past, um, she is nothing but an elitist. She has sided with Boehner in the fight against Cruz with the government shutdown, and and she actually said she felt sorry for Cruz because he had a deal with that Tea Party-type Cruz all the time uh, and and, uh, other, you know, uh, other conservatives in in the House. And uh, she also uh, gave glowing... What is that background? How wonderful... That's not me... And she gave glowing accounts of how wonderful um, uh, Jesse Jackson was, too. Uh, and I've, I've, done, I've been doing some research on her, and she's not who she portrays herself as. I fully believe she's an elitist. She is with the, she's in with the Washington crew. And although she has, um, she has her, her spiel and her talking points down very well, uh, I, I I don't think she is who she's portraying herself as. Oh, she's dating a politician then. Yeah. Well, it's worse than wow. that. It's worse than that. I mean, when you when you suck up to a guy named Jesse Jackson, you know, I mean, there's something wrong there. What's wrong with that picture? Wow. So, you know, you know, I'm just kind of smarmy tonight myself. I think she's kind of smarmy tonight. I mean, really, you know, I really said it. It kind of smug, kind of like I'm better than you kind of attitude. And I can't stand this kind of people, to be honest, um, both well. inside and outside of politics. But I mean, yeah, I just was. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm not a big Rubio fan, especially when it comes to immigration. Who knows? Maybe that's just the only problem I have with Rubio. Um, is I, I really do not like his stance on immigration, but. Um, so you know, as I said, I'm, it's, the jury's still kind of out on me on on who won the debate. I would I would like to say that um, I think Ben Carson did a really good job. I think he's going to see some of his points go up. Is it just me, or did he seem like he was the adult in the room? Yeah, he always seems like the calm adult. Well, he he's a unifier, and unifiers try to avoid conflict. Rand yeah. Paul and uh, Jeb Bush went at it for a while. Um, you yeah. notice that one? And, yeah. and uh, Chris Christie was going against somebody. Who was that? Anyway, um, yeah. I think, Chris, I think they, both, I, they both went against Rand Paul. 
kind of ganged up on him, and it was a back-and-forth banter. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Oh. Well, it was about marijuana, well, that's right. It was it was about marijuana. And uh, it was funny, it's fishy. Oh, my gosh. On one hand, he says states rights, but it was, it was a marijuana issue. And and then on the other hand, he says, uh, basically, no, federal. Uh, you know, I, I, just, I just, like... I think it's, I just, when, when he went into this um, double-mindedness about a state's rights, it's war on drugs, war on drugs, yeah, federal war on drugs. Dude, you can't say both out of your mouth. And I just I just think I said, I said, you schmuck. You know, you're contradicting yourself. This is really ridiculous. Hey. So there's a certain well, crowd, I think. It, it was funny when uh, Jeb Bush did say, well, you know, about 40 years ago, yeah, I, I did marijuana. And I, you know, it's not fun to admit that, but maybe my mother finds out about that now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Barb knew that a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I just think I was not as impressed with them this debate as I was last debate, and I think part of the reason for that was I think that CNN's uh, moderators – were uh, rude, and they were interrupting people in the middle of their thoughts, and they were purposely doing that to keep people from making good points. And I think they were favoring certain debaters um, and giving them more floor than others. And um, they were favoring and what the people who Cindy? should have been most uh, most uh, with the most press time should have been. Trump and Carson, and yet they were two that had almost uh, very, very little compared to some of the first all the elite. They were given all kinds of time. They were giving um, Walker time. They gave not as much, but they gave uh, Jeb Bush an incredible amount of time. Um, oh, yeah. And then... Um, uh, they were giving um, Rand Paul a lot of time for some reason. I don't know why, but I noticed was, that. Yeah. Well, every time they give Rand Paul time, is just they just love to try to blast him. I think. Well, yeah, I don't think yeah. yeah the two people. I don't think they gave the two people. I thought that they got. I mean, I think they gave Ben Carson more time than you know maybe a few other candidates, and rightfully so. But I think the candidate we heard the least from was Mike Huckabee. Yeah, but when he did well, speak, it sure did make well, a lot of sense. What about the governor of Ohio? They didn't give him much time. Yeah, yeah Kasich, Kasich yeah, you're right. Kasich didn't get a lot of time either. Yeah. But who? you know what? Kasich, who? Those guys who? were out on the fringes. They were out on the ends. They were on the fringes. And, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have gotten as much time, you know. But when you look at the difference between the number two and the number, the number one and the number two and their poll numbers, and then you go down to number three, he did not warrant, oh, just because he was third, he did not warrant that much time with 9% of the vote, vote, you know? Not that much more than all the other candidates. Well, they wanted a fight. I think they, I think they wanted to have the, a fight, and they got it. Um, because, you know, as you've seen, you, you don't, there wasn't a lot of fighting. A lot, a lot, there wasn't a lot of banter back and forth between uh, Ben Carson and anybody, but Ben Carson and Trump. You know, there just wasn't enough fight there. The one thing I did want to address, because we've heard this a couple times about Ted Cruz, is that, you know, they're talking about how, you know, it kept saying, 
Cruz, you're pandering, you're pandering, you're pandering. Is anyone else, anyone here on the panel getting that sense that he's pandering to people? I'm sorry, who are you talking about again? Ted Cruz. Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't think he is that. I, what, I think he's about as far away from that as you can get. What do you mean by pandering? Well, just well, just kind of saying what he thinks people want him to say because he's Ted Cruz, you know, and kind no. of living up to his persona, you know. You mean it's, kind of it's sucking up? Anything, anything's possible, but when you look at his record on the floor of the Senate, he's a fighter. Uh, he's been a he's been a fighter. Now, you you could be it could be said that well, sure, he can afford to fight because he knows he's going to lose anyway. Um, because he doesn't have enough conservatives behind him to really get what he wants. So basically he can – it's just like the same thing Boehner does. Boehner, Boehner talks the talk, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, which is all these conservative things. But he knows that none of it's going to pass in the Senate, um, and so he, he it's like he can do it and not worry about it really happening. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying by that? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it looks yeah. like uh, we've got Holly on the line, so let's go ahead and bring Holly in. Holly, thank you very much for calling in. How are you? Fine, thank you. Hello, everyone. How are you guys? Hi, Holly. Doing Hi. great. Good. Hi, Holly. I, um, I watched the debate also, and um, oh, no, I, I don't think the polls are going to change that much. Uh, maybe Marco Rubio might rise a little bit is kind of what I'm mm-hmm. feeling, but I don't know. What, I mean, I've been listening to you guys, but I felt like what do you think about what do you think about Irina? I don't think one way or another about her, other than there was uh, someone on the show just mentioned that there was a heartfelt moment. Um, I kind of felt that too um, at one point, but and then I did like the way she told um, Christy that her and Trump, you know, that records do matter, you know. I did like that um, because mm-hmm. it does matter. You know, their backgrounds do matter and their records do matter. Um, but I don't really see her pres- as a, as I don't see her as being presidential. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really um, I don't know. I don't really consider her uh, seriously as as a presidential candidate. Although I would love to see her and Hillary have a conversation. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just I'm I still it's still early. I still personally don't have a dog in the fight. I'm still trying to find that one that I would like to give my vote to. Um, I thought Scott Walker, uh, he seemed he seemed almost like he had a cold or something there for a while. I thought he might pass out. <laughs> I don't know he, what he, he did like he was sweating. <laughs> Or something, well, you know and what? Then, but then in the end, he kind of came back strong. Bush just seemed like, I don't know, like, he didn't seem very presidential to me at all. Um, he told me he was going to throw up. <laughs> he just, he, he was, like, always disgusted with Trump dead. or something. Yeah. I, that I was just, just I hilarious. Didn't you think, Holly, that it was hilarious when he called it? He wanted the the um, the Secret Service to call him the Energizer Bunny. That was funny. Now that was funny. I mean, how silly is that? And then Trump came back with humble, which was also funny. You know, that was kind of cute. Right. Because neither yeah. one of them are right. Well. 
And then Bush, I mean, it was just like, it was, it was kind of funny on the marijuana thing, too. And then and then you had Rand Paul. He didn't really want to name names. And so Bush go, and I'm sitting there wondering who, who said that because I didn't know. And all of a sudden Bush mm-hmm. says, oh, it was me. It was me. I smoked, you know, I smoked pot in high school. I'm like, are you kidding? Wow. I think we got a lot of background noise coming from you, buddy. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if you're making a sandwich or something, but uh, yeah, we're hearing some <laughs> background noise from you. Well, no, I'll, I'll, about that really. I'll, I'll tell you what the noise is. It's, uh, it's the voices from your head, Robert. What's hey, that? guys, somebody What's has already... The voice already... is from your head. Oh, yeah. The voice okay. is coming from my head? Transferring wow. right into my head, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, anyway. Okay. Trump, Trump did something that was really stunning. When he was um, opposing vaccines, or we should really think about this, lower the concentration, spread out the doses, I'm like, wow, that yeah. was really cool. That That showed that he's been doing his research, because that has been going around the medical com- community for quite a while. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, if, if yeah. Carson had been asked that first, I think he would have um, he would have been able to bring that up too. But basically that that is an excellent, excellent point of view. And it shows that Trump is the type of guy that if he doesn't know something, he's going to go find somebody that does know it and he's going to learn it. And, and I yeah, like that. Does, about he, he, that's true. Yeah, I really like that about him. Yeah, he did. That I, just, I just went. Good, Holly. Oh well, no, I was wondering how that was going to go, and um, it went really well um, for Trump uh, via Carson and via Rand Paul. Both agreed with him on that. Mhm. Well, I say, well, I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but I can really. I mean, first about Trump, I think he could have done better in, in, in some things. I wish he would have given more. You know more details. Uh, I mean, I was looking to hear more specifics. Uh, you know from him, or as what Sean Haney would say, one of his favorite words is more specificity. Yeah, he, just, he, he <laughs> seems to love that word. I, he says it all the time. Um, at least when I used to watch him, I, he, he used to say it all the time. Um, but I wish you would have heard more from him. I mean, he may not need to do it at this point that I've been saying because, you know, what, his poll numbers are so much higher than everybody else's except Ben Carson. Uh, was coming up. I, I still think that his numbers might go up, down a little because he wasn't as substantive as I think as a lot of folks would uh, have liked, and, including myself. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was a few points where you could see where you know, okay, he's he, he's starting to do his research. He's done some research there. Um, Speaking of so polls, see, you want to know what the Drudge says? The Drudge report already put a poll out. Yeah, I want to know. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're giving it to Trump. At fifty-seven point eight percent. Wow. Second, really? second is Fiorini, Fiorina at seventeen point really? nine seven. That's Cruz at six point four one. Carson five point six nine. Paul four point four. Rubio three uh, two point three five. So those are your top six uh, of the candidates. Really? And wow. Trump is so far out ahead, it's like nobody was even on the stage with him for some reason. <laughs> but there, that, I, I think that's new, kind of silly because there's a lot of people that had some good answers on that stage. But I am happy to see that Bush is nowhere anywhere near the top. That's that's nice to know. <laughs> that, 
I, and I want to ask this since we have two, we have the two ladies on here. Now, one of the big, uh, you know, one of the big controversies about Donald Trump is what he said about women and, and things of that nature. Um, two things. How do each one of you feel about what Trump has said about, you know, some women? And two, do you think if it was uh, against him and Hillary Clinton, do you think that some of the things that he's has said about not women in general, but maybe about certain women, that that's going to would hurt him in the general election with the women vote? What do you think, Holly? I, I ahead, it doesn't Holly. bother me one way or the other. If if it's a male or a woman, and you know you're kind of in a competition, what you know you're, I mean it's just it comes with the territory. I guess is what I'm trying to say. If you put yourself out there, you better be ready for it, type thing. And I just don't, I don't see where he. I don't think Donald Trump is against women, and that's what they're trying. Some are trying to portray him as, and I don't see him that way mm-hmm. at all. Right. Well, I think that I think that um, it's not presidential. I think when you go around making comments like that, it's not presidential. It. I even it, made some tonight about way, people. That I was like, eh. but, yeah, and it, in a in a way, it's kind of like you remember how Rush Limbaugh used to make fun of Hil- uh, um, Hillary's daughter um, Chelsea Clinton. He used to he used mm-hmm. to make fun of her how ugly she was and everything. I just thought that that was. That's just not appropriate to to go after someone's looks or anything like that. Now, if they if he wants to go after their behavior, I'm okay with that. He can say whatever he wants to, but saying crass words about someone's looks or their sexuality or something like that, I think that's that's way that's way below a presidential candidate. I, I don't think he should be saying stuff like that. What he well, ought to be doing yeah. though. What he should be doing is developing some very um, intelligent uh, comments about these people, about how wrong they are politically. Forget their looks. Forget that Rosie O'Donnell is trash. She's trailer trash. Who cares? What I want you to do is expose her politics to me. I don't care what she looks like. Don't give me these stupid comments, you know, um, you know, and calling her names and stuff. That that doesn't mean anything, and it's not presidential. And but here's another thing. I'm not sure that Donald Trump actually writes his own um, Twitter Twitter posts. So <laughs> I'm taking all of that yeah, with a grain of salt. I'm taking all that with a grain of salt. Right. So do you not? So then you don't think it'll affect. Uh, just go up against Hillary Clinton. You don't think that that would hurt him with, with the woman, though? No, no. For oh. some reason, I, for, for some reason, I don't you, think Holly? it will. Oh, I'm sorry. And what about you? You don't think if he was to run up against oh, Hillary that? No, I, I understand what then uh, what Cindy's saying about it. It's not really presidential, but I think people in America, a lot of us are really, you know, just so fed up with the political correctness. At the same time, mm-hmm. so but I do agree. You know, you know it may, and he's been mischaracterized too. Um, but yeah, it's it's not really very presidential. I can agree with that there. But I don't think it's going to affect. Like I said, I don't believe he's against women at all. I don't think he has a, a problem with women at all. I think I don't he think really likes that. women. <laughs> well, yeah. Look at um, years ago when it was McCain and Palin. I mean, he had Palin over and all that. I mean. He's not against women, you know, but he's in the same ring with uh, 
for Carly and everything. So, you know, it comes with the territory there. And then, mm-hmm. but I see what Cindy's saying is, is you know, she'd rather hear more in, intellect than, than that. But, um, but I, I don't think it's going to affect, it may affect some women, but it doesn't. I don't think the overall. I don't think so. See, don't make a don't make a comment about how ugly she is or what she looks like or that you know she's unattractive or whatever. Whatever you want to say, you don't you don't. Who cares what she looks like? That's not the issue. Bring yeah, so out. If you would have said it about a man, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. You know. Well, exactly, exactly. That's true. Tell me what very good Carly point. Fiorina it really is. Tell me what she really is. You go find out what she is, and then and then you tell everybody else what she is because that's what I've done. I've gone and done some research. I've listened to her speeches. I've listened to her uh, interviews um, on, on news shows. And to tell you the truth, this woman is very clearly an elitist. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. I I don't. I honestly, I I just don't really care. I, and uh, like she's not even on my radar. Yeah. Even though well, I still you know, don't have but a I'm dog afraid. in the and it's still early. I'm not even looking at her. I mean, it doesn't say I won't down the road, but right now it's just like I'm not even really paying attention to what to uh, to her Unless that much. Saying. Well, I yeah. hope that everyone else is feeling the same way, Holly. But I, I I have to worry about it when I see this Drudge poll come up here, and and she's in second place with after that. Uh, and first of all, she worms her way in. Without even yeah, how did that happen it. anyway? <laughs> well, I guess you know she. They, everybody just decided she won that first debate, and so and and I have to admit, um, if I was a person, you know, a pundit, I would say she did she did win it, um, but but she didn't go high enough, or she didn't get herself out of her place where she was. Um, but now this, after she got on the stage with the big guys, I'm afraid this could give her a boost that I don't really want her to have. Uh, but you know, once you get a boost, then you start, you're, you're the target. And so maybe people will bring out these things about her that I've already found out and, uh, you know, she'll lose that support eventually. Well, even in the debate tonight, they, um, I guess it was Donald Trump, I think. The the moderator asked him. I guess Donald Trump had made a statement about Carly's um, business, uh, like uh, what is it, Hewlett Packard? How how she didn't do a very good job or something, and that got brought up. So I mean, I don't don't know much about her other than that, you know. Yeah. You know. Well. I, I, I Kelly, you were gonna. Well, Kelly's gonna say something, but we kind of uh, chimed him out. So let's go ahead and get your comments, Kelly. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I sure hope that they never ask me what I think about women. If I'm a presidential candidate, I'm gonna say, well, you know, got older sisters. I think women are great. You know, in fact, I really like women. I like them. I like to be around them, tease them, kiss them, touch them. You know, I came out of the closet. I'm a lesbian. Um, <laughs> You know, of course, I would do that for sheer entertainment, knowing I probably wouldn't win as president. But, you know, speaking of women and uh, Kelsey Clinton, do you guys know why, oh, by the way, and political correctness, being presidential, supposedly I was ever on that podium, um, 
Do you know why Chelsea Clinton is so ugly? Okay, why? Because Bill inhaled. Oh, shoot. You know what? I think I've heard that before. You didn't make that up. (laughs) Yeah, that is so funny. uh, Obviously, uh, I would win probably a lot of votes in the construction industry. I'd probably have to beep myself on the podium because, you know, us uh, in the construction industry, we... We tell it like it is, and we tell lots of barge logic after dark, after dark stories. But we also have a um, plethora of uh, superlative, superlatives. Yes, buying this plethora of superlatives. Mm-hmm. words. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm being Mr. Joker around again. All right, let's get serious. Um, let's see, Chris Christie... Didn't get the tenth amendment. Bush didn't get it. Um, Huckabee kind of stood up for that. Cruz yeah. got it. Rand Paul got it. Rubio, not so sure. Um, Trump. I was so excited when he was anti-vaccine. Though. Oh my gosh, he's got an open yeah. mind. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. he just said something, okay? And, and it's really caught my attention. He said, "Look, I'm putting that campaign my own money." I'm, not holding any special interest or lobbyists. You know, I'm not going to get a call six months in office. Hey, remember that pay right that you owe me now? Mm-hmm. You know? And I <laughs> think that was really cool. Well, obviously, obviously, he's not in bed with Big Pharma. Of course, Rand Paul isn't either. Um, but Big Pharma is really freaking huge, frighteningly huge. Look at Fox News, like freaking every other commercial is a pharmaceutical company thing. So for Trump to come out um, not a fan of vaccines and calling autism autism from vaccines, which I know people, mm-hmm. same story that he's, he told a story that kind of put Ben Carson in his place. Ben Carson's like, well, you know, there's been all sorts of studies and there's no uh, link whatsoever to autism. Bullshit. There are links, and they have found that mothers' genetic makeup makes a predisposition to when the children have vaccines, they get autism. And so I don't know who Ted Car- uh, Carson is touting to, but he held the pharmaceutical line. Oh, they're safe. No problem whatsoever. And then Trump told the person, sorry, so one of my employees went and got a vaccine for the kids, and they, and they turned autistic three days later. It's like, hello? You know? Um and, and, and yeah, then when uh, and then when Ted, uh, when Trump said, "Well, you know, I really think what they ought to do is a lot less doses spread out over a longer period of time," and then Ben Carson agreed with him. Yes, so I thought that right. was interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. So my, my you know, I mean, at this point, I know it's just just real quick. He's saying right. I'm not going to be beholding to anybody. He just smashed in the face of the pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you, and, and I know it's very early, very early in the process. But, I mean, is, is anyone here getting the sense that we very well could see a Trump-Carson ticket? That would be great. Not Carson? I'm not sure about Carson as a VP. He's got to be really careful in his pick. He's got um, 
He has to be very careful in his pick. Carson, yeah. maybe. I would, I would put it at maybe, not a yes. Um, Robert, tell us why, why are you thinking uh, a Carson Trump ticket? Wouldn't he, don't you think, though, that, you know, there was a lot of people, a lot of black people who voted for Obama just because he was black. Do you think they'll do the same thing with Ben Carson? I thought of that. Um, um, that thought has crossed my mind. I think I the, think uh, uh, it remains to be seen, but I I really do think that he may garner some vote for votes for somebody if he runs as the vice presidential candidate or or the presidential candidate. Either way, I think he's going to get I think he's going to get the black vote. Now it may it's not going to be a landslide like um, like. Uh, you know, like the 90, Democrats get. percent of Obama 96%, supporters. yeah. Yeah, 96%. So it wouldn't be like that, but I think he would get the, I think he would get over 50% of them. Well, he's and here's what I'm, and here's why I'm thinking, you know, as I said, it's very early. I mean, I've been, I've been saying to the co-workers and stuff like that, do you really think who I think uh, – who I think who really is going to end up being the nominee, and you you might laugh at me because he's so low in the polls right now, but uh, we'll we'll see. As I actually could see uh, Kasich being the nominee for the Republican Party. Uh, just let's remember that I said that. Uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> a, All right. Well, I'll remember for, you said uh, that, but you remember day. I said you remember I said this. I hope not because yeah, I think I think he's one of the inner the inner elitists. I think, I oh, think well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just, I just, I just think because he's center right, he's from the state of Ohio. He's a governor, so I mean, you know, so there, there's going to be there, those are some of the talking points that, you know, I think the main, you know, the uh, so-called conservative media is going to tout, you know, and start saying how he'd be the most electable. Um, but to, to answer your question, though, Kelly, about a, a Carson, uh, you know, a Trump yeah, Carson, 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 yeah. Well, because yeah. I think that instead of – well, because for for Trump to – I would say give it even more credibility to his – himself being the nominee is to pick someone who is also an outsider and not a career politician as his running mate. So they could say we are the anti-establishment, we are the anti-government, we are the no – you know, no formal ties with government – uh, ticket, you know, to you know bring this country back. We've had you know career politicians running this country for how many years, and look where it's gotten us. You know, you've got a, a purely non-political career ticket here, and that's why I think you know, by him picking someone who's a non-politician as well, can kind of prove his point that we you know we should have folks who are not politicians. Uh, to bring this country back. Well, you know, there's something about Trump. You know, if you look at The Apprentice, the show, you know, you're fired. He finds people with real positive attitudes and get stuff done. Ben Carson's upbringing difficulty uh, to where he's at now, he's got a real positive can-do attitude that I think Donald Trump may actually personally like the guy. Well, and, and also, I'm glad you brought that up, Kelly, because you don't, I mean, They've made little jibes at each other, but I, Carson has not attacked Trump anywhere near what the what the other candidates, including Carly Fiorina. 
mean, I mean th- think about it. She's supposedly the other, you know, non, you know, establishment candidate or or, or non political candidate, right? And she has attacked yeah. Trump much heavier than and and Trump on the other hand. I mean, what what has Trump really said that bad about, you know, you know, about Carson. They've had little jibes here and there. I mean, right now, let's be honest, nobody can touch them. Together, they've got 50% of the vote. You know what I mean? Over 50% yeah. of the vote in the yeah. primary right now. Do you know it's illegal for... Uh, do, you know, do you know it's illegal if uh, Trump approaches, uh, I, I believe it's illegal, for Trump to approach Carson and say, you drop out and be my VP... Um, I think that's illegal, but there's a long-standing tradition, and it's tradition that only after you win the primary do you pick your VP candidate for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I yeah I, yeah I believe Carson was standing next to yeah he was he was standing right next to Trump, and and then Carson agreed with him that yeah a smaller doses spent over a longer time on the vaccines. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he agreed with him. I mean, that, yeah. that tells a lot about Carson's character. Yeah. Know, here he is on spot, having a hard-line position. Yes, actually, they're all safe, no problems with autism. But then he listened to Trump, and he got it, and he humbly said, yeah, I like that idea, you know, even the hand motions. I, I agree. It was really, it tells a lot about Carson's character. I got to better this nuts about Ben Carson. Um. So I, I I would prefer if Trump's going to win, which you know I'm getting to the point of of a, of a consolation, if you will, or you know by default. Anyway, I'm I'm coming to the one of the VPs I would like is either Ted Cruz or Rand Paul. Why? So that they can sit down maybe daily with Donald Trump and say, here's the Constitution, here's how things should be done. Here you go. Here's another lesson from history. Here's some case law. Here's the thinking way back, blah, 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 blah. So Donald Trump would get it. That actually happened tonight on the debate stage because Donald Trump was talking about, I believe, the 14th Amendment, and they actually took it over to Rand Paul, and he agreed with Donald on what he was saying, and he clarified it. Wow. Okay. Well, see, that's what I'd like to see in the VP, somebody that, you know, I, I just can't, you know, Jeb Bush did it again, and it really pissed me off. It's like, freaking really? Um, oh, I'm going to this all day. It was like, yeah, whatever. Everybody says that. That's an all undertone that we're we're very familiar with. But, oh, we're going to this all day. Oh, really? I mean, it, it, I mean, you know, I'm not ready to, to quit all parties and change my legal name, so I... Without a question, I win the. Oh, I know what it was about. It was over immigration and the and the uh, the ones that come over illegally and have the babies here. That's what it was about. Right, the uh, the baby born, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, and how it is is. Go ahead, Holly. Well, no, Donald Trump um, somehow was brought to him regarding the the uh, uh, the babies. illegal, yeah, and. He said, well, no, I don't believe that's right, and it'd probably have to go to the courts and everything. And then I think it was Farina or maybe it was uh, Christie, they were, like, disagreeing with Trump on it, that it would just take too long and too much. And then it went over mm-hmm. to Rand Paul, and Rand Paul actually agreed with Trump on it and said this is how it 
to be done because originally the 14th Amendment was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, wow. it has been changed. And um, there there are a, a couple of different viewpoints, uh, judicially speaking, too, on um, the accuracy of how it's been uh, adjudicated before in, in the past. So there is it's not a slam dunk either way. Trump is right to question that, the anchor baby thing. Yeah. Mhm. Well my my well, question for the, Trump is is how much does he love the Constitution? Is he okay, yeah, I love the Constitution. Right, whatever. Do you really know it like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz do? Are you gonna have someone on it too? Do you is it mm-hmm. pouring out of you every pore of your being? We've got to follow this. This is what made our country great, or is it? Oh, that's just a good idea. Where is he at? That's what I, you know. Ron Paul was obvious. What's funny was the last thing in the, in the primary debates. Uh, they asked Ron, uh, Romney the constitutional question, and he goes, "Well, I don't know. Maybe we should talk about constitutional." And he turns his hand to the right to Ron Paul, and he I remember that. And yeah. And laughs. Yeah, that was hilarious. Because it was like, I remember that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that that that's where I'm at with Trump. It's like, you know, I might be able to endure his uh, his uh, ego. Um, you know, when I first thought about him, like, oh my gosh, it's the art of the steel guy. I mean, uh, I read his book, The Art of the Deal. Like, me, 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 ego, ego, I'm something. Wow, look at me, worship me, you know. And it came down some. If you would get passionate about the Constitution, I might start leaning towards Trump. Well, what do you think about the he, that he signed the pledge, though? It looks to me well, like... think about Trump. Think, if you read his book, The Art of the Deal, okay, mm-hmm. he probably framed it. He probably gave him here our first version. And he... <clears throat> oh, let me look at it. I'll think about it. No, I'm just trying to... No, I don't have to. No, don't change it. I can change it how I want to. Well, he, so he negotiated the best deal for him. That's the most likely scenario. If he he wouldn't sign because he's a master negotiator. He wouldn't sign a deal unless he could change it and make it at least a little bit more in his favor, or a win-win in his favor. Still, that's that's probably what became. I would love to see that deal actually and, and read it. But it's yeah. frightening that the Republicans don't believe in freedom enough that. Uh, they have to push that on him. I mean, that's a that's a disgrace with the Republican Party. I'm sorry. It's just that's disgusting. But yeah. uh, anyway, um, but I, I want to throw out another 2012. It's shades of the 2012 um, uh, convention, forcing everybody to do what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to hear this other poll? Uh, this is a, a poll, it's, it's a Fox poll that's on Fox Channel 5. This is not the main Fox thing, I don't think. I'm not really sure. And it's a it's an early poll. Um, the number one voter, of course, Donald Trump, got 2,165 votes here. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure that's increasing by the minute. But still, uh, when I pulled it up, Trump was ahead 47.78%. Carly Fiorina wow. in second, 20.44. Marco Rubio at 9.42. Ben Carson, 6.09. And then it goes down from there. Where's Jeb Bush? Jeb, Jebby's on this uh, radar here. One, two, three, four, five, six. He's sixth here. Wow, he's out. 
I I hope so. I mean, gosh, those people have so much money. They can just stay in the race whether they really have any support or not, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, well I, I, I think, think that, of the folks of the folks I think that are still in, and I think the ones that are going to be dropping out soon are uh, Graham and Pataki. I think those are the first. Uh, those, those are the next two to go. Graham better leave. I, I, he's a Democrat. Why is he even running as a Republican every year? I don't. I don't get that. Well, he, I, I tell him he talks a lot about. The, I mean, anything I ever hear him keep going back to is about the war on terror. Yeah, that that's his only issue. That's his only conservative issue. We know Graham, probably why uh, he brings it up because it's the only conservative issue. <laughs> you know, uh, well, back to uh, Jelly Donut, the nickname Secret Service. Uh, go to uh, uh, go to him and call Raspberry Donut. I don't know. <laughs> what did you got? What do you yeah, guys? Yeah, that's funny. Um, what do you guys think about Bobby Jindal? I like, I like him. him. I was impressed with him. I was yeah. impressed with him in, his deba- in both debates, actually. Uh, both debates he was in, um, I was impressed. My thing is, is I don't think he'd get enough press in order for him to be able to get any poll numbers to, to, to get him into the second tier. Yeah, i like to see him on the same stage with Trump. Well, what, what do you think about now? I, we talked about this earlier, and, and I know you were on the you were on the chat, but I don't know how closely you were listening. We well, were yeah, I had about, walked away for a little while, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, we had talked about um, Trump. I mean, um, um, Fred. I forget who it was. Whoever's got the background noise, let's try to cut it to a minimum. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> That happens when you have your speakerphone on, and you, and you don't mm. mute yourself. By the way, that's how that happens. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not me. Uh, shoot, now I lost my thought. I'll I'll, well, I'll get it back. Well, Robert, Robert, you know, I, again, I got to talk to you about the voices in your head. See, the voices in my head are telling you you're not listening to the voices in your head. <laughs> I see. Well, I didn't know it was your voices. I thought I was just hearing sounds. <laughs> There's no voice, just sound. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we need to throw something out. Uh, if we get Jeb Bush running against Hillary Clinton, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change my legal name, and I will win the presidency of the United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. First name. Okay, what do you call me, Les? All right. Les. Here's what I was well, going to say, Holly. What are you going to change to, Kelly? Oh. Lesser up to evils. Lesser up to evils. Yes, look to lesser see. I'll win. I'll win the presidency. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Cindy. We don't well, want to forget anything. Go ahead. I was going to ask Holly. I remembered what I was going to ask Holly. Um, um, does she think that the polls that are saying that not one single candidate of, on the Republican side is um, beating Hillary Clinton in the polls, does she believe that? Not no, I do not believe that for a second. I, I don't. Really don't. Well, these are, these are, well, I know, but these are pretty reliable polls. The uh, the polls that they got, um, you know, you know, so they they come they come from a uh, reliable source. Uh, I was talking to the person uh, earlier tonight uh, after the first debate before the show, 
and they were giving me some, uh, you know, giving me the the polls. But I'm 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 just as shocked as anyone else. I can't believe that there's not one candidate right now that's beating Hillary Clinton. Now, you know, as I said earlier, there's four of them that were in with, with that was in the um, yeah, margin like the of only air. Candidate over there. Oh wait, there's another one: the communist or the socialist with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, yeah. And then we well, got like he's even, 15 on, on the Republican side. So, I mean, you can't really go by those numbers. No, I, I don't care. I don't care who's doing the poll. It's just not. It, it's just not believable to me in my head. I just cannot believe. Oh, uh, that so many people are still voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Well, there's another factor to that poll. When people do either the Internet or they do it through the phone, you know, um, you know, they might have a Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton or Jeb Bush versus Hillary Clinton. They're calling, and I will bet you that there are a bunch of illegals, not just Mexicans, but um, OTMs, which are other than Mexicans, I'll bet they're weighing in on the polls. What Christina Timmons sent me recently is stunning. Is Her conclusion is, uh, through this one-page document, is that the Democrats know Americans aren't going to buy their crap. And so what they've been doing is trying to get illegals, California getting flooded, um, they're getting illegals to vote for the Democrats. That's why they want them in here so bad. Because oh, they yeah. So that poll may have a certain segment, maybe 5%, maybe 10%, maybe some of these polls focused Latino areas that biased Hillary over any Republican. Yeah, they might be totally calling sanctuary cities, you know. Yeah. Well, no, not only that, but you can you can you can poll who whatever your focus group can be. It can be super voters, it can be non-voters, it can be Voters who rare, rarely vote, you can you can pick and choose who you want to put in your poll, um, because that all all of that information is available. Um, you know, I, for, to me, right. I, want to a, I want to mm-hmm. pick a I want to pick a, a a poll. I want to do a poll, and I want to include all the super voter whoa, whoa. Uh, phone. Well, Cindy, also, I think they showed Hillary at a, um event or something the other day, and they showed that the room was almost empty. Like, I don't see her filling mm-hmm. a stadium like Trump did in Dallas. No, no she's not filling anything. Yeah, I was 18 with 20,000 people. She can't even fill a McDonald's. Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe that poll. <laughs> Uh, okay, well here's another here's another poll. Newsmax um, says Donald Trump forty one point thirty two percent. Carly Fiorina twenty two point twenty five percent. Mark Marco Rubio Marco Rubio nine point nine eight and Ben Carson six point five six. And my daughter just said, "How come that stupid Carly Fiorina is getting all this attention?" I don't and I'm get like, that. I don't get that either. Because, I'm like your daughter. I don't get it. I don't even accept that it, for this. She definitely has a good speechwriter, and she had memorized a lot of good speeches for that for that debate. This was not a debate for her. It was just her giving her little speeches, and uh, you know, people are not savvy enough to to pick that out. You know, um, 
a lot of times. So, you know, they just see, you know, this woman has said uh, some interesting things that, uh, and she she spoke well because it was rehearsed, you know. Well, you know, I can speak well if I rehearse too sometimes. <laughs> uh, I agree. You give me a good, you give me a good speech writer. <laughs> you give me a good speech writer and turn me loose and, and let me memorize and, and uh, practice, I can give you a real nice speech because I'm used to speaking in public. I like speaking in public, so it doesn't bother me at all. And mm-hmm. and yet someone like Ben Carson, who has all this stuff in his head, but he's very really very shy, it's probably hard for him to, you know, be be assertive and get his viewpoint out there. Like you didn't hear him trying to talk and raise his voice about above everyone else to get in a word, you know, like right. those other candidates did. That's just not his thing. Um, so he's you're less noticeable. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil, right? Right. And so if you're if you're more noticeable, you, you, in these day and age, they don't look at the the substance of your comments so much as how. Um, what what's your prose like? You know, is it prose? Mm-hmm. That's that's really a, a shame. You well, know, uh, we only have about uh, yeah, we only have about uh, six minutes left uh, before I got to close things out. So let's go ahead and give each one of you a couple minutes to uh, give your final thoughts for tonight. Um, and, you know, next week, uh, I believe we have Susan on, uh, who is going to be uh, discussing her uh, water collection and how she's uh, dealing with some uh, some laws out there where she's at, uh, some difficulty just collecting her own water, which would be interesting. And then uh, on that's the 23rd, which is a blood moon, so maybe we'll talk more about that as well. Uh, that could be interesting. There's supposed to be some tragic stuff so that's supposed to be from revelations or something cindy i think you'd probably know more about yeah. that than i do um well, so we could talk uh, more about that that's supposed to happen on uh next wednesday of next week right yeah so that'll be uh, interesting. in fact and then, i i am a little worried about it but um i i hope it's not like a self-fulfilling prophecy where uh you know somebody tries to make something happen um, I, I, you know, what what the Lord's going to do, the Lord's going to do, and it's going to be in His time, and nobody's going to be able to predict predict anything that He does. Only He knows what He's going to do. Well, what what well, is supposed I think, to happen? Uh, I just had somebody said some kind of tragic thing is supposed to happen on you know the twenty third. Right. Something has to do with uh, the twenty third or the twenty fourth. Jewish calendar or something. Yeah. Well, there's it's the fourth. It's yeah. the fourth in the row of the blood moons. And 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 that is um, uh, talked about in the in the Bible about the four blood moons and and every every um, time something really big happens in Israel they they equate it with uh, there's either been a uh, there's either been this four blood moons or there's been other um, celestial celestial um, signs and you know they are in the Bible. And and uh, you can go there and you can see them for yourself. Um, and Thanks, when, you know, but I just I have a hard time with people making predictions and they don't know God. They don't know what His schedule is. 
Hey, Cindy. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Hugh Ross, he's a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, studies uh, like astrophysics in uh, astronomy. Yeah. I looked up what his opinion was, because he's a professional like me. Um, okay, yeah, some will think I'm a professional clown sometimes, but... Um, <laughs> Um, but look up uh, just Google Hugh Ross Blood Moons, okay, or Hugh Ross Tetrads. He's got a two-part article on this, and in the coming in this century, there's going to be nine tetrads. For the first 600 years, 600 AD, there was like I think four or five that nothing significant happened to the Jewish nation. So you might want to look at that a little bit. Um, there's some people that are you know, like Jonathan Cahn and the Shemitah and the Blood Moons, he's making a lot of money and selling his book, but what if he's wrong? Um, so the, he goes at it from a scientific perspective. He also goes at it from a biblical perspective. And it's it's convinced me that it's, it's nothing big. Well, it, like I say, it, it, God's going to use uh, signs, and he does talk about the four the four Blood Moons. Um, and in fact, I don't see um, that scripture though. Well, it's it's in the um, uh, it's uh, Joel. Yeah, Joel. All right, somewhere in Revelations or Joel or something. Right, right, but also the stars will be darkened. The way Hugh Ross puts it together is basically it's a, some cataclysmic events on Earth that cause a lot of dust, volcanoes. Um, like here in California, we get so much smoke. Sometimes you can't even see a mile. It's that bad. Sometimes That's it's down a true half a mile. Story. Mm-hmm. I used to yeah. live out there. That's a true story. Well, I lost my I lost my voice. I, I just one night staying in L.A. I lost my voice. The 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 air was so horrible. Yeah, smog. Yeah. So yeah, you might like that when you research that. You know, and then uh, I, I may have actually uh, booked, booked this twice again. I don't know why I keep doing that. Poor Karen. But uh, Karen Show is supposed to come on on the 20th uh, or 30th to talk about what uh, she's been working on, as well as uh, our friend uh, Christine Timmon. Uh, she's going to be maybe coming on the 30th as well or after that, and also working on some uh, guests into October. And, of course, we will be uh, – following the GOP primary. Uh, as it, uh, I tell you what, it's been an interesting primary. I, I'm still not as passionate about this primary as I was in 2012. Uh, maybe something will develop that will change that, uh, but uh, we shall see. But, yeah, so yeah. unfortunately it looks like uh, we've only got uh, a few minutes left. Uh, so now if each person just gives about uh, maybe 30 seconds of uh, some closing comments, and unfortunately, I'll have to close out for tonight. And let's go ahead, and Kelly, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to you, Cindy, and then Holly, and then I'll close things out. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I'll make it short. Um, I, I would dread being a presidential candidate and being up there in, in this debate because, number one, I don't think I'm a master debater, and number two, I would crack jokes too much, and people just wouldn't take me serious. I wouldn't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope I'm making Holly laugh. You, you might have to get used to my sense of humor. But I got it. Kelly, is your well, Kelly, I've heard you, I've heard you talk, it. and I thought you would be a master debater. So. <laughs> okay, I'm not I think everyone here, if we go by statistics, 
there could be some master debaters on this show. <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Cindy. <laughs> Um, now I, I totally forgot what I was going to say, but <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, did you say that guy's name was Hugh, Hugh Ross, right? Hugh Ross. Yeah. Blood man's I'll look him R-O-S-S. up. Okay. I'll look him up. Anyway, what I said earlier is that I feared that Carly Fiorina was going to get a huge bump out of this. And, uh, if you look at the polls, um, uh, or at least who says who won in the debates, it looks like she did get a big bump, and it looks like Carson went down a little. So um, mm. I'm not really, I'm not really liking the results of this um, because none of the the really, you know, conservative people got any kind of a bump out of this. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just concerned about the Republican Party. We have so many candidates. Um, that aren't who they say they are. So many candidates who, I don't know. I, I, I'm just worried. I, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping above all hopes that the polls that show Hillary Clinton ahead of every Republican nominee, that that is totally false. I, that's my only hope that um, that just has to be false. I just can't believe it. No, that's, I can imagine. I, I don't think I could ever watch TV or the news of a, President Hillary Clinton. Uh, so let's go oh. ahead uh, over to you. Uh, uh, and, and I'm sorry, Cindy, but it's just because of lack of time. Let's go ahead and bring it over to Holly, and then I'll have to close things off. Uh, go ahead, okay, uh, Holly. Okay, well, just um, piggybacking off of what Cindy just said, I, I, Farina, I wouldn't worry because I don't see her filling any stadiums anytime soon. I don't think she's a master debater either. And um, neither is Hillary. And maybe Kelly might have had too many vaccinations. And thank you, Robert, for giving (laughs) us this venue. And I really enjoyed um, discussing the debate tonight with you guys. Thank you, Robert. We appreciate it, Holly. And hopefully we'll hear you uh, more on uh, the show. And uh, we'd like to have you, you know, calling back in. But, of course, folks, uh, we'll want to thank everyone for coming to the show and listening to it, whether you're listening uh, listen to live tonight or listening to the podcast, uh, please just take the time to share the link, uh, whether you're sharing it uh, through emails or on Twitter. Uh, that would be uh, fine as well. Uh, I, I noticed that a lot of folks actually listen to the show uh, on their cell phones and also through iTunes. That's definitely ways uh, folks can listen to those as well. And so, unfortunately, I'll have to... Uh, Go ahead and end things, and uh, we'll end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So until next week, everyone take care, and have a good night. All right. Take care. Good Good night, night, everyone. All right. Good night.